Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. He's just building the drama. I know. Was, uh, was it too much? It was, because nobody really cares. Yeah, well. I am Taylor of Terror. And uh, together we are... Um, Wild Stallions! <laughs> Uh, but no, thanks Thanks for joining us again, guys. Uh, we are happy to bring you another sexy edition of the Great Plot Podcast. So sexy. So sexy, Just dude. Dripping wet. Um, we have, we're kind of trying to keep it short because we have... A, Did, but you say that every fucking episode. But this time we have to actually do it. Do we? <laughs> well... We have a very long interview. We talked to you last episode about us possibly securing an interview. Well, we did, and now we can tell you who that interview was with. We uh, interviewed uh, actress and director Jessica Cameron, who most recently has done the movie uh, Truth or Dare, uh, which we reviewed on our Crypticon episode. Um, and, you know, we both enjoyed that, and it was uh, a great movie. And she's a, a, a great chick, and... It's really fun to talk to her, and we'll get to that later in the episode. But first, Taylor has a pressing issue. Yes. After six weeks? Something. Let's say six weeks, (laughs) 32 movies, down to two, and there must be a winner. The Remake Madness Tournament has ended. And after all is said and done... So much suspense! The grand champion is... Friday the 13th. Woo! Jason Voorhees brings home the title. I think we secretly both wanted this one to win. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, Friday the 13th was, you know, pretty panned um, by horror fans in general. But, you know, we're going to have fun with it. Uh, We both enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, any movie has things that can be improved, obviously. Um, but we both had a lot of fun with it, uh, and it's, you know, watchable, <laughs> yeah, to say the least. So, yeah, that's uh, that's the champion. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go and tell them what the winner gets? Tell them what they've won! <laughs> yeah, we've been saying for a while that there's going to be a prize for the, the final grand champion, and now that the champion has been named, we can tell you that that prize will be... Drunken Cinema. Woo! Everyone's uh, favorite. I think it is. I mean, you look at our numbers, and those are, like, our most popular episodes. I think people are actually enjoying them. I enjoy them. I Yeah. I mean, I know we both sit at our desks at work and just listen to them, even without the movie. And just laugh our asses off. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, of course we think we're funny, uh, but it's good to see that you guys are at least interested and that you probably think we're funny too so yeah um i don't think we have a set date for that yet but it's up and coming very soon right um i am getting married soon so that hey, yay mazel tov. <laughs> uh that will be taking up uh, uh a good deal of my time for the next couple weeks but after that um we will be hitting it uh for the Drunken Cinema. So Hit look forward hard. to Yeah. And we will be sure to announce it ahead of time so you guys know when it's coming. So be on the lookout. Yep. Uh, Bolo? 
boat. Oh, yeah. Be Bo- on the lookout. Like a, like a sigh. Yeah. That was terrible. I'm sorry. Like a what? Like a tie. Like a bolo tie. Oh, God damn it. Fuck you, Taylor. Horror business! So we've talked to you before about a story with Slenderman and the poor little girl that was stabbed almost to death by a couple of friends of hers. Quote, unquote. Yeah. And I imagine not not, not anymore. (laughs) Um, And uh, as we've told you before, she is pulling through. She's she's doing well. She's recovering very well. Um, Updated news about that is um, her 12-year-old friend, uh, one of the uh, suspects of the stabbing, uh, 12-year-old Morgan Geyser, she has been evaluated twice by the court uh, for mental competence and has been deemed incompetent both times. You don't say. Yeah. Um, and I guess uh, a third evaluation has been requested by the prosecution. So they really want to put this girl away. <laughs> As well they should. You know, I, I've this is controversial, but I'm going to go here. I think there is... Certain a certain amount of um, leeway and compassion and, um, you know, not necessarily forgiveness, but an extra amount of care that should go towards the mentally troubled, uh, and you know the you know crazy, insane people. I mean, they obviously can't control what's going on in their heads, and they need help, and they should get it. But there's a certain line where you have somebody like this little girl who stabbed one of her friends almost to death in cold blood to serve a fictitious character. That is the kind of trouble that needs to be locked away for a very long time. And, you know, I'm not saying that she doesn't deserve to get mental help and treatment while she's locked away, but she needs to never see the outside world again. I'm, I'm with you. I'm... Not going to argue against that. I, I've i never understood the point of, well, this person, we can't give them the death penalty or whatever because they they don't know the difference between right and wrong. It's like, I'm sorry, that's even more reason to give somebody the death penalty. Yeah, and, and you know, my fiance, she she was a psychology major. Uh, I mean, she got her, her degree in psychology. Um, and so her and I go back and forth on things like this all the time. And, you know, she's obviously on the other side of the, of the fence. I mean, she thinks that um, you know mentally disturbed people especially or not necessarily especially but including people with murderous impulses like this um, yeah they shouldn't stand trial because they don't know what they're doing and it's like exactly like you said I am of the frame of mind where it's like that is even more dangerous to me I mean the fact that these people not only don't understand what they're doing uh, and like they they do it on an impulse, uh, they I guess they they don't comprehend why it's wrong, and to me that's even more terrifying than, than somebody that just does it for fun, you know. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so um. Uh. So yeah, this is Morgan Geyser. The other one is uh, uh, Anissa Weir, I believe that's how it's pronounced. 
Um, they made separate court appearances, um, and they're both charged with first-degree attempted murder. Um, and as we mentioned before, these girls are facing the possibility of being tried as adults, and therefore face the possibility of lifetime and you know life in prison, um, which would come. I mean, obviously, life in prison doesn't literally mean life in prison, but they're looking at being in jail until I think it was like something like they're sixty-five or something like that. Yeah. Um. So I mean, it's very hard to see. It's very hard to feel any compassion for these girls. I mean, whether or not they are mentally disturbed. Well, they're obviously mentally disturbed, but it's hard to feel compassion for them when, you know, another little girl suffered and basically would not have lived if it weren't for her own internal strength. Will, yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's the update on that. And um, I guess if any other news comes about um we will keep you posted on it there have been other stories about slender man um attacks yeah there was another girl that attacked her mom and i guess she was wearing a mask like i i some kind of white mask i don't know if it was you know just a pillowcase or whatever how she got it or made it or whatever but yeah she apparently she was wearing this mask and like came at her mom with a knife and then there was a uh a shooting in Las Vegas, I want to say about a month ago, maybe. And I guess the the guy, it was a guy and a girl. Uh, there were a couple, and the guy had pictures on his Facebook of him dressed as Slender Man. Mm. So uh, it was wasn't you know in the name of Slender Man or anything, but it was still tied to it. Mm-hmm. That sounds like something that maybe the media is like looking for, like trying. Well, yeah, to he also had pictures of himself dressed in like different cosplay. He there was one of him as the Joker, and like she was Harley Quinn. So it's. Yeah, it's, that seems like a bit of a stretch. Something like kind of a media manipulated, yeah, thing. Um, which, I mean, that this day and age, especially because everybody's looking to get the scoop on every little story. I mean, with with Twitter and uh, Facebook, you know, those being considered reliable news outlets nowadays. Yeah, it's like people are just trying to get their stories out as quickly as possible, not fact checking like they used to. That, that's how stuff like this happens, I think. But anyway, so yeah. Um, but on this story, um, we will keep you posted because this is uh, this is important, um, and I, I think it's it's important that people stay informed about this. It was a zombie jamboree took place in a New York cemetery. It was a zombie jamboree took place in a New York cemetery. Zombies from all parts of the island. So there's a television program on the Science Channel called Through the Wormhole with Morgan Freeman. With just the sexiest, silkiest voice on the planet. Just the the narrator. <laughs> Morgan the narrator Freeman. And um, the, it, the show, from what I understand, it's basically about like different scientific things in the world that don't really get examined very often mm-hmm. they've covered things in the past such as like i mean like they did an episode on um how poverty could be related to gen- yeah, genetics so i mean that obviously sounds like a stretch <laughs> but i mean it's on tv so it must be true and morgan freeman doesn't lie yeah 
<laughs> well, if you're going to kill me. Uh... <laughs> the penguins marched down the ice. That was a terrible word. <laughs> <laughs> we're worse than uh, Adam Green. You know, we're talking about uh, we're talking again about the movie Crypt podcast. Um, Adam Green did a like two second impression of Morgan Freeman. And we were talking about that earlier today. That I just I, it always cracks me up when someone tries to do an impression and then just bails on it right in the middle. Yeah. Just oh well, if, I'm terrible at doing impressions. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know the thing was, I didn't think he was doing all that bad. <laughs> it wasn't terrible. No, it wasn't I've, good. I've, but... I've heard worse, like you know us. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyways, how this show relates. Uh, they're going to kick off season five, five, right? Yeah, five, with an episode called Is a Zombie Apocalypse Possible? Yeah. Um, it, uh, they're saying it's a, it's a nightmare that has stalked us for centuries. Hordes of human beings transformed into mindless, cannibalistic monsters. Could this civilization-ending nightmare become reality? Scientists have discovered pathogens that turn insects into the walking dead. New strains of viruses are attacking humans every day. Mathematicians have calculated the likelihood of surviving a zombie virus outbreak. They're not hopeful. Now neuroscientists are discovering how easy it is for, for us to lose conscious control of our bodies. Are we at risk of becoming puppets? And if we are already in the middle of a zombie apocalypse, would we know it? Um, this The concept reminds me a lot of stuff that have... Uh, they spawned off of uh, the ZRS, which is the Zombie Research Society. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not familiar with that, uh, I believe it's just ZRS.com or maybe or I think it's ZombieResearch.com. Oh, you know, you could be right. I'm, I'm going to look it up right now. T- Taylor, take it away. Um, yeah, it's led by Matt Moak, by the way. He's, mm-hmm. But he, he's actually like an actual scientist, I believe. Yeah, but this is not about ZRS. No. I want to go off on a tangent. ZombieResearchSociety.com. Oh, okay, there you go. Um, so yeah, it, it seems like this is covering more kind of voodoo zombies with mind control rather than undead. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it does talk about viruses and things. But that, that again could just be, you know, emptying your, your conscious mind and just taking over your body. Yeah, I, I think it kind of seems like they're trying to take it from every angle. Yeah. Um, just the, the last sentence is what kind of freaks me out. The if we are already in the middle of a zombie apocalypse, would we know it? Because mm-hmm. it's like, even with all the zombie fiction that's around, if it was to become real, what would it take for us to finally realize that that's what it was? Yeah, I mean, I, I have at this point, if it's something that's currently going on, you have to assume it's like some kind of government cover-up for us yeah. to not know about it. The other day, I was walking to work, and I walked past this lady... And she was leaning against the wall, and she was staring straight ahead. And she was just, she had her mouth agape, and she was, like, mouth breathing. I think she was breathing. She may not have been breathing. But she, like, just eyes wide open and just staring. Like, nothing that crossed her path would stop her from staring straight ahead. Mm -hmm. And I just, I walked past her, and I kind of slowed down. And in my mind, I was just like, I'm not 100% sure that lady wasn't a zombie. (laughs) You know, it's possible, I suppose. I mean... These these things that they're talking about, they're not fake. Um, I mean, like we mentioned, the Zombie Research Society, they talk about real things on there, real scientific uh, facts. Yeah. Um, now, they're manipulated to a certain extent um, to reflect 
the possibility like how they could be mutated or manipulated into being some kind of zombie virus or zombie outbreak but these are all based in real things and that's the terrifying part yeah um so i mean if this is at all possible then and i mean who better to describe it than morgan freeman of course i mean when i think zombies i think morgan <laughs> freeman um I mean, he'll he'll at least make it soothing <laughs> it'll be calming to listen to yeah uh, As opposed to if it was like Bobcat Goldthwait doing it. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, if he was narrating, I'd just be like, oh my god, we're going to fucking die! <laughs> um, so yeah, this is going to be on the Science Channel, and it is airing on Wednesday, June 25th at 10 p.m. Eastern. Which and- was a week ago. Holy shit, <laughs> we fucking suck. <sighs> well, I'm sure you can find it on VOD or something. Yeah, you should watch it. I feel like a total asshole now. Yeah, I just noticed that. God damn it. Uh, uh, moving on. Fuck. I'm excited about. Um, so, among many Taylor other, got his first period. Sorry. Among many other things <laughs> that me and Tony have in common is we both have our birthdays on the 31st. Oh yeah. Wait, yes, we've made this connection before. Um, and me, whenever I played sports, like I played basketball in high school, and my my jersey number was always 31. Not mine. I know. But the relevance of this is that Rob Zombie has a new movie coming out called 31. And there was just a, a poster or like a one sheet. It was just this clown head. And it kind of looked like maybe like just makeup smeared onto a wall or something. And that mm-hmm. was really all that had been revealed of it. Yeah. And now Rob Zombie has revealed some more details. Uh, a lot of people saw that poster and they thought that it was maybe... It had something to do with Captain Spaulding or possibly um, John Wayne Gacy. Mm-hmm. There was a rumor that 31 was for John Wayne Gacy's 31 victims, but he had 33 victims. Yeah. I remember the on one of the panels we went to at Crypticon, they were talking about this. Yeah. And some guys said, you know, it's supposed to represent his 31 victims. And somebody else said he's had 33 victims. And the guy said, exactly. What? Wait, what? <laughs> you didn't make a point. <laughs> and then some people also thought that he was doing the remake of It. Okay. But, anyways, all those, bullshit. Bunk. Uh, Zombie says, no, it's totally different. All I can tell you is that it's a completely original idea. It's something new. It's not based on anything. I'll start shooting the movie in the fall, so hopefully starting this October, I'll start shooting it. For right now, I'm going to keep the details secret, but it's not based on anything. So, all right. It's new and it's nothing. <laughs> well, I'm I'm hooked. <laughs> all all he really did tell us is that it's going to take place on Halloween. All right. And that's where the 31 comes from. Mhm. Um I would be more excited about this if 
it weren't for the fact that his last original movie was dog shit. Was Lords of Salem. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to be excited. I'm hoping this is kind of... Oh, excuse me. Him going back to his his old style. Yeah. Rather than... You know, the, the, the kind of thing that made me like House of a Thousand Corpses and, you know, and, and like Devil's Rejects and, to a lesser extent, like Halloween... Um, not Halloween two, no, or Lords of Salem, no, they were caca. Um, so I want to be excited. Um, I'm reserving judgment for now. I want to see a little more. Yeah, um, and you know he's saying he's keeping the details secret, so who knows when that's going to happen? Yeah, and I think that's doing that kind of marketing. It's like, oh, I'm not telling you anything. Uh, that's very risky. I think. Because then you've got you're banking on people wanting to see the movie solely based on interest in your name, basically. Yeah. And so when you don't breed any interest in the movie itself, other than the fact that it's a secret movie, um, I think that will more often than not come around and bite you in the ass. Yeah, possibly. So. We'll see. Uh, like I said, it's, it's, it's he wants to start filming in the fall, and it's going to star Sherry Moon Zombie. Uh, of course. I, I don't know if that's true. I'm just making I an think assumption. We just assume, yeah. Yeah. But, so, when we hear more, we will relay. So, not the last episode, the episode before? Yeah. It was the episode with Carlos. Yeah. So, um, we talked to you about The Omen being adapted into a TV show on Lifetime. Damien. Right. Um, which was weird, but it didn't sound terrible. I mean, the, the concept, I guess. Other than the fact that it's on Lifetime. Right. But, I mean, um, it had, uh, oh, Christ. Somebody had, had somebody involved with Walking Dead. I'm totally Mazzaro. Thank you. Um, was involved, and so I don't know. It had a little bit of clout, I think. Yeah. Um. But um, on top of that, and for some reason, uh, the Omen is being remade again. Yeah, you may recall. <coughs> You may recall that it was remade in, like, the early 2000s. 2006. There we go. Because it came out June 6th, 2006. Right. 6606. Yeah, I remember. My dad wanted to go see on his birthday. Um, guess, guess who's remaking it? Platinum fucking dunes. So Michael be... fucking Bay. I don't like, know how much more of this guy I can take. You know that was just remade in 2006, right, Michael? Not by me! <laughs> and so, you know, you could, have, of course, expect a very dark and gritty version of this. <clears throat> yeah. Um, it's going to be lots of metal whirs uh, every time somebody falls from a height. Lots of slow motion that then speeds up again. Mm-hmm. 
And fucking sirens. There's going to be lots of sirens. This is ambiance that we're creating right now. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck. Uh, this so yeah, is... Platinum Dunes and Fox. 20th Century Fox. Yeah. Uh, it's currently in development. This was originally reported by BloodyDisgusting.com. It was an exclusive to them, so I feel like we have to give them credit. Yeah, we don't do that very often, but we're doing it this time. A lot of times you can find it multiple places, though, so it's hard to know who had it first. Sure. But they, this was a, a Bloody Disgusting exclusive. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, with this, and then you got Friday the 13th, it's like, are, are we moving on to re-reboots now? Is that the new thing? Kind of seems that way. Um, it's like, well, we've remade everything. Yeah. Let's remake what we've already remade now. And, you know, third time's a charm. They keep remaking horror movies. And I could go off on a great big tangent about this, but I'll just keep it brief. They keep remaking horror movies, and we've talked about this before. Horror is a very niche market. Yeah. You, you can't appeal to everyone, and yet they don't stop they, trying. They try. And they keep wasting fucking money on it, and then the horror fans will go, you know, the people that will actually go and spend money on it, you know, the horror fans, they go and they fucking hate them. Yeah. And, I mean, they, they spend money on them, so I guess that's all that really matters. Hey. Shut up. Shh. I'm talking to you. Yeah, they keep trying to appeal to a broad audience when they already have this built-in audience, and they're alienating them by trying to make this bigger audience. And normally, most times, more often than not, the bigger audience doesn't fucking care. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can't make people like horror uh, and, you know, by eliminating the things basically bastardizing the things that people already love like Friday the 13th like the omen uh like and like the like the let's say the romantic comedy crowd they're never going to like horror it doesn't matter what you do yeah uh i mean like Carrie we talked about um you know they 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 made this horror movie for teenagers you know, for the people that the stupid teenagers that still watch MTV, and they watch like my, or, you know, I'm a teenage horror mom and uh, fucking idiot Jersey Shore. And um, you know what's sad? I'm not entirely convinced these aren't real shows that you're just naming right now. <laughs> they um, sound like actual MTV shows. I'm an idiot horror teen mom on the Jersey Shore. That's a true TV life. Show. I have chlamydia. <laughs> anyway. Um, they made Carrie for that group. Um, people that don't watch horror, but because they're the in crowd, that's who you have to sell to. And they're not fucking interested. Yep. So, I mean, people like us, that the suckers that went and paid for it, we fucking hated it. Yep. So, that's my rant. I tried to keep it short. Didn't do a great job, but... The moral is, fuck Michael Bay. Yeah. I mean, that's that's always a moral, isn't it? I mean, I think every episode, that should be maybe our new tagline, fuck my Bay. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's kind of the underlying theme of every episode of the Grave Plot Podcast, fuck Michael Bay. All right. Anything else? Nope. Let's press on. Every move you make, every vow you make, every smile you So, I 
movie that's not being re-remade, just remade, mm. Americanized, if you will, Japanese movie by the name of Audition. Right. Have you seen the Japanese version? I have not. Neither have I, but I have heard amazing things about it. Yeah, I hear it's really good. I, I, I don't like foreign movies. I uh, usually don't either. I, I, I mean, I'll watch like... I'm not a big fan of J-horror. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the Asian horror movies have never done anything for me, and I don't. I don't like the American versions even more. Yeah, um, I mean, I fucking hated the Ring. The, the Ring. The I grudge, hated the Grudge. I hated the Eye. Yeah, um, I liked Mirrors a little bit. That was only because Kiefer Sutherland was in it. One missed call wasn't that a J horror? Oh, probably. What a stupid premise! How could your cell phone kill you? <laughs> Um. Anyway, the uh, the American movie is apparently going to be based more on the novel. That oh, it's, it's a novel. Yeah, the original was adapted from the novel, and they're going to take the novel as the source material and not the original movie. Mm. Um, it was written by Ryu Murakami. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. I'm sure he's going to be very upset. We're going to get letters. Yeah, he's he's listening. I'm sure. The original movie came out in 1999 by Takashi Miike. I don't know if that's... I think that's right. It looks like Mike with two eyes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Miike. Um, and it had, like like we were talking about, it had a cult following. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the panels that we were just... When we were talking about one of the panels at Krypton, I think it might have been the same panel they mentioned this movie. Probably. Um, so the, the American version is going to be written and directed by Richard Gray, who did The Lookalike, which is apparently a movie... A thing. Um, I, I, do you know anything about Richard Gray? Ever heard of him? Nope. All right. Um, I, the original version's plot was uh, a widower takes an offer to screen girls at a special edition arranged for him by a friend to find him a new wife. One that he fancies is not who she appears to be after all. That sounds creepy. Yeah. I mean, not creepy, like scary creepy. Uh, just like, dude, you're a fucking pervert. <laughs> and from what I understand, like it's the the original is fucking twisted. That's what I've heard. Yeah, um, I've heard it's one of the most gruesome movies out there. Yeah, like I don't know if it's gory. I haven't heard if it's gory. I've just heard that it's like twisted. I'm pretty sure it's gory. I think. Um, I've I've from what I've heard of it, it sounds a lot like Fatal Attraction. Uh, I can kind of get that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but obviously a little more intense. Yeah. This is being produced by Mario Kassar, who, uh, he produced Rambo and Terminator. Yeah. And Basic Instinct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's still involved. I think he, he and Andrew Vajna, I believe they're the only two original people. Or no, no, sorry. I was going to say they're the only two original people still involved with the Terminator series. But I believe they actually sold the rights. Oh. So. But those are, I mean, those are some big names, so... Yeah. That's something. Uh, in the original, the main character was named Ryo Ishibashi. In this one, he's Sam Davis. Oh, Ishibashi. Racist. It's not racist. <laughs> uh, and the girl's name was Aihi Shina. I'm sure. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. In the American version, her name is Evie Lawrence. All right. So there you go. Um, no casting yet. Yeah. This plot, man, I don't think this is going to translate well to an American audience. But, you know, that hasn't stopped people before, so. 
I don't know why, but I see Elijah Wood in this. <laughs> because you love him. But it's not... Um, you want to kiss him and marry him. Where is this coming from? Because <laughs> you like Maniac. I did like Maniac. <laughs> anyway. I like Elijah Wood. I just don't know why this is turning into a thing. You want to have, Why you're making it weird. You want to have creepy hobbit sex with him. <laughs> uh, I'm just making shit up now. But this isn't from his production company, so I don't imagine that it would have him in it. Probably not. Um, but yeah, that's happening. This is Yeah, this is going to be a, a thing at some point. And that's all we really care to tell you. Okay, bye. So coming up um, very soon, and as we've spoken to you before, is See No Evil 2, the sequel to See No Evil. Oh! Yeah. yeah. Um, and we'll actually we'll be talking about that a little more later with Jessica Cameron. Yeah, yeah she's obviously, um, well, not obviously, but she's very close friends with the Saskas who directed See No Evil 2, and yeah, she does go into and it. Written, and wrote, written, written, written. And she, they wrote it. Thank you. Um, they're uh, we're, ugh, God, I lost my train of thought. Um, so you know, Evil Two is going to be Two Two uh, <laughs> is going to be released direct to video and on VOD, um, which is kind of a bummer. I was kind of hoping for a uh, cinematic release. Me too. Um, or is it cinematic, cinematic or thematic? No. Theatrical. Theatrical. That's the word. Um, yeah, it would have been nice to see uh, the Saskas get you know that, that kind of uh, recognition. Especially yeah. because the first one was in theaters and it fucking blew. Yeah. So, I don't know. And all these other WWE films are getting theatrical releases. Are they? Oculus. Leprechaun. All the shitty John Cena movies. <laughs> Is the Marine 8 out yet? Starring JTG? <laughs> I don't know who that is. Uh, Prime time, man. Oh, him. Brooklyn, Brooklyn. <laughs> yo, 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 yo. Yep, that. You know about crime time. Don't act like you don't. <laughs> um, so, uh, it's what? coming out this fall. Yes. No the, No more specific date than that. But. Yeah. Um, as, as we last left Jacob Goodnight, who obviously is played by uh, Glenn Kane. Jacobs. Yes. Uh, WWE superstar Kane. Um, he fell to his apparent demise from a high... From, from high. high atop the Blackwell Hotel in See No Evil. And this terrifying sequel picks up where the last one left off. With Jacob's body laying cold on the sub-basement slab in the city morgue, Amy... Danielle Harris. I like her. I yeah, me too. Um, it's it, it. I'm stoked to see she, see her in this. Yeah. Um, Lend some credence to it. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know, she is. She was in the last two Hatchet movies. Uh, she was in Halloween, Halloween uh, the Halloween remake. But originally, she was in the Halloween, Halloween six. six. Um, 
where you find out he's she's his niece, something. Yeah. Anyway, um, she plays Amy, and she's a mortician, and she's su- uh, surprised. Surprised <laughs> when a group of friends pay her a late night visit for her birthday. But the surprise soon turns deadly when the psychopath everyone believed to be dead sets out on a horrific killing spree, and Amy and her friends must do whatever it takes to survive. You know, it says that this one uh, says takes picks up where the last one left off. I hope that it's like directly where the last one left off. I really like when sequels do that. Yeah, for sure. Um, just I like it when they'll like kind of recap part of the previous movie. Kind of like the only example that's coming immediately to mind is Back to the Future, mm. where they would reference like the last five minutes of the previous movie. Previously on, see no evil. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Catherine Isabel is going to be in this as well. Yeah, which should surprise absolutely no one because she's BFFs with the Saskas. Yeah, she wasn't at Crypticon though. She wasn't. That would have been neat. That would have been neat. <laughs> She is in a movie we're reviewing later. Yeah, she is. Um, so, yeah, as we said, it's written and directed by the Saskas. Um, so, we're, I mean, we're looking forward to this, uh, even though we didn't like the first one. Yeah, I'm interested to see what the Saskas do with it, especially after talking to them at Crypticon, the way that they talked about it. Yeah. It made it sound like it's going to be like a little more iconic. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's definitely something that um, even... Um, Jessica later on she she kind of hints at that a little bit um yeah. yeah um so this one seems like it's gonna definitely gonna have a different theme and kind of feel to it so it'll be interesting to see what they produce yep so look forward this fall on DVD Blu-ray and VOD time the exorcist is going to be coming to blu-ray it's so weird to me that blu-ray has been around for so long now i mean god probably close to close to 10 years i think i mean obviously it's just like dvd it started off very small and you know there's the whole hd dvd and blu-ray war yeah kind of like vhs and beta (laughs) yeah um but uh the fact that these movies are like so many movies are just like for the first time ever on Blu-ray. It's like, the fuck really? Took you so long? Yes, yeah, still. Um, um, anyway, go yeah, yeah. All all the Exorcist movies, except for Dominion, are going to be coming to Blu-ray. Right. Um, and they're going to be coming, not just separately, which they are doing, but also as an anthology. And the anthology will include Dominion. Um, so many exorcists. <laughs> uh, now, Dominion. I could be wrong on this, but I'm fairly certain Dominion is basically the director's cut of Exorcist: The Beginning. Uh, could be. Which I guess is not a huge deal because this set will be including. Actually, I don't know if it will be this in necessarily in the set, but. They're releasing the original Exorcist and the director's cut of the Exorcist. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, Dominion was the one where the demon was a video game character. I don't because it was all CGI. Oh, I see what you mean. I was going to say, wait a minute, this is a prequel to The Exorcist. <laughs> there were video games. Um, it was a dig, you see. Uh, yep. Disgusting. That's me. Um, $35.99 for the box set, $16.99 for the individuals. That's pretty low for a Blu-ray. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, especially and for... That, that box set, like you said, it's going to give you The Exorcist, The Director's Cut, Exorcist 2, The Heretic. Heretic. <laughs> The Exorcist 3, Exorcist the Beginning, and Dominion. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one, two, three, four, five, six movies for 36 bucks. That's six bucks a movie. Yeah, I mean, like, a lot of these uh, box sets, you know, movies and their sequels, they could run upwards around, especially on Blu-ray, upwards around, like, $100 mm-hmm. um, on the high end, you know. Those are typically really, like, popular big big budget movies like if you get something like like the aliens uh, quadrilogy i guess it would be yeah um yeah that's gonna run you quite a bit of money on blu-ray um especially if you get and then you know you add on top of it like like 3d blu-rays and stuff obviously that's not the case here but um that kind of shit just the, the prices get astronomical so this is nice to see that's nice low price yeah, um, um, I mean, like I personally don't have a Blu-ray player yet. I know I'm out of touch. Yeah, because you're living in the last decade. Yeah, but um, I wouldn't buy this. No, no, I really only liked one and two. I you liked two? I did. I didn't. No, wait, one and three. Uh yeah, three is good. Okay, yeah, one and three. So three. I, I probably wouldn't buy the whole box set. No, probably not. Yeah, I think I'd probably buy the the director's cut of the original and probably three. But do you know, is the director's cut going to be a, available on its own? I would assume so. I don't know why they'd sell it. Or is it maybe like a, um, like the, the original comes with the original and the director's cut? I don't know. Possibly. I don't know. You know, no, nobody knows. I don't think anybody knows. Nobody knows. So there's that. Um, so, yeah. Uh, God, do we know when this is happening? Uh, soon. <laughs> Very soon. <laughs> so uh, check your local stores. Check your local listings. Uh, are you looking it up? Yeah, keep talking. I'm talking. I'm talking right now. I'm saying words. Things are coming out of my mouth. I'm not sure if this is better or worse than dead air. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, it is out now. Oh, well, son of a bitch. That's something else we fucked up on. <laughs> Wait, this is DVD. No. Well, shut the fuck up. Um, this, uh... Yeah, like... Exorcist 3, that, that's... I feel like it doesn't get quite the... I mean, obviously, it's, it's kind of a fan favorite, I think. Uh, really popular, but as far as, like... Out... I don't know, outwardly, maybe? It doesn't get quite the recognition that the first one does. But it was very well done. It had, um... Oh, shit. What's his name? He played Patton. Oswald. No. I feel like a dick because he's a fucking classic actor. I'm forgetting his name. Anyway. September 23rd, 2014. There you go. September 23rd. Look for it. Um, Buy it somewhere small. 
I don't usually say things like this, but buy it at a small retailer. Don't go to Best Buy. Word. Good for you. I don't know why I'm... I just feel like saying that, you know? Fuck it. Go somewhere small. Support, support your... Support local businesses. Yeah, fuck it. Those are harder and harder to find, but goddammit, look for one. Just pay... Just pay Damn the man. Save the empire. Yeah. <laughs> pay a few extra bucks. Goddammit. So, in more video release news... Sticking with the Blu-ray theme. Yeah. Um, some of you may be familiar with the Clive Barker classic, Nightbreed. Working on a Nightbreed. That's not it. Oh. Um, it was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. Um, basically, if you're not familiar with it, basically this guy, he gets framed for murder. And uh, in order to hide from the police, he... It's been a while since I've seen it, so I don't remember exactly how this happens, but he basically finds a way into another dimension to hide from the police. And it just so happens to be the dimension where these monsters exist, like these these creatures. Um, And he just kind of resides there. And if I I recall, it's a little like little monsters in that the the more time he spends there, the more he becomes like them. Um. I don't care what anybody says. I love Little Monsters. It's a good movie. Fuck it. <laughs> Howie Mandel? I don't give a shit. And Fred Savage. Fucking Kevin Arnold. Fucking Kevin Arnold. FT-dub. FT-dub. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, Nightbreed is getting a director's cut Blu-ray, which is pretty exciting because, I mean, even if you've never heard of it, I, pr- I assure you this is a very popular movie. A lot of people love it. I promise it is. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> um, it's going to have two edition sets, basically. There's going to be the limited edition set, which is actually quite literally limited. There are only 5,000 numbered copies uh, going to be sold. Um, and Disc 1 will contain the unrated director's cut of the film. Uh, disc 2 will contain the 1990 R-rated theatrical version of the film. Um, and Disc 3, which is exclusive to the limited edition set, uh, will contain a bonus Blu-ray packed with extras. Uh, details not out on that yet. I assume there will probably be behind the scenes and, you know, message, uh, yeah, not messages, um, you know, interviews and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know what else there would be that would require a full disc, but I mean, if it's a whole Blu-ray disc, which holds a fucking shit ton of information, then there's going to be a, about about a fucking shit ton. Yeah, I mean, I, I imagine they got, and you know, um, obviously Clive Barker is an artist, um, so I have to imagine he designed a lot of these creatures himself. So a lot of DVDs and Blu-rays they'll include artist sketches so I imagine things like that will be on there um you know probably just a ton of back behind the scenes and on that point it's actually coming with a uh, special edition slipcase with designed artwork by Clive Barker there it is there it is um and it will also include a collector's book with an essay and rare rare photos so um this pack or this set 
is going to run you seventy nine ninety seven. Uh, this is one of those expensive <laughs> uh, Blu ray sets that we were talking about. Why ninety seven? They selling it at Walmart? <laughs> Probably. Well, that's that's the suggested retail price. Mm-hmm. Um. So, for uh, simplification purposes, uh, let's say eighty dollars. Um. There's also going to be a special edition set. Um, and, you know, the terms limited edition and special edition, they seem so similar. And it's like, why even? But one is more limited. But what's so... Spe- is there a normal edition set? Regular edition? That would just be the regular movie. Just by itself. I guess. Anyway, um, special edition set contains uh, the unrated director's cut of the film, uh, plus bonus features, which, as we said, uh, are forthcoming. Um, and disc two contains the unrated director's cut of the film on DVD. They've been doing that a lot. I fucking hate it because it makes Blu-rays more expensive. Yeah, because you got to pay for the fucking Blu-ray and the DVD together. Who who needs both? Assholes. I don't know. Fucking assholes! They ruin everything for everyone. I think that I think what they're doing is trying to force people that have DVD players to buy Blu-ray players by forcing them to buy a Blu-ray. I, I'm, I'm almost positive that's what they're doing. Anyway, this slipcase also includes artwork approved by Clive Barker. I believe it's different. Um, you, I'm sure you can poke around and find pictures of it. Um, there are different versions uh and this one's gonna run you 29.93 again uh, with a weird fucking price i, I, don't, I don't know like i realize you add them both together it's 100 bucks but they couldn't do 95 for each i don't know man i just don't know i just work here man um and on a side note there's actually a nightbreed television series in development by morgan creek entertainment because uh, that's what the world needs is another TV adaptation of a of a good movie, um, especially something that's like, I mean, it's fucking Clive Barker. Everybody's seen Hellraiser. They know what you know twisted world he creates. And Nightbreed is a little more tame than kind of the expansive world of Hellraiser, but it's still a little twisted. So putting us on TV, unless it's on like. HBO or Showtime or something. It's it's stupid. Not even worth it. Has Morgan Creek ever done anything with TV? I'm sure they have. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm I'm almost positive they have. Nothing comes immediately to mind, but I'm, I'm sure looking at their Wikipedia page and it's just films. So I don't I don't know. Huh. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Anyway. Um, I just realized we don't have a date on these. Uh, well, they are available for pre-order at shoutfactory.com. Right. Um, October 28th. Thank you, Taylor. Um, if you... Actually, I guess it's it's going to be... They're going to be available, you know, wide uh, on October 28th. If you order it directly from Shout Factory, it's going to be... They're going to ship it out to you two weeks early, so you'll get it actually on the... Or they'll probably send it out on the 14th or maybe schedule it so you 
receive it on the 14th, one of the two. Otherwise, either way, you get it early. So, double bonus. Double bonus. Um, so, God, hasn't been like a year ago, uh, Netflix released a show, Hemlock Grove, which was based on, uh, I care if it's a single book or a series of books, um, of the same title. Um, it's about, um, if you haven't watched it, like I said, it's, it's on Netflix, the entire first series, or first season is on there. It's, uh... You just went British for a moment. <laughs> Um, the f- it, it, the premise is uh, this boy moves t- boy and his mother move to the town of Hemlock Grove, uh, which is controlled by the uh, the um, ooh totally forgetting the family's name. Very well-to-do family. They basically run the town, and um, this boy is singled out as a werewolf. Which seems strange, but it all just kind of flows in Hamlock Grove. Um, it, I feel like the show kind of, or it, sorry, a, a girl was murdered and suspected is suspected animal attack. People think it was this boy because they think he's a werewolf. Godfrey family. Thank you, Godfrey. <clears throat> um. Anyway, so season two is. Among or upon us, um, Netflix started releasing uh, posters, like character posters, basically one sheets for um, each of the main characters of the show to just advertise them. Uh, they look pretty cool. Um, I think it's like I can't. I only remember one tagline, and it may be on all of them. I'm not sure, but it says "Even demons have demons," <laughs> something that, to that effect. Um, so, Eli Roth, who is the producer, um, says that uh, Netflix really supported them into taking the series in a dangerous direction. Uh, he said that they encouraged us to go even further into a scarier, darker, and sexier place. Uh, we guarantee you won't see anything like this anywhere else on television. Which seems pretty par for the course for Netflix. They kind of like to... I mean, they're not really ruled by um, FCC regulations yeah. like, like a television channel would be. So they, they can take things to that next level. And I feel like Hemlock Grove was slow to start, but I think once it got going, it was it was pretty out there and something you wouldn't you don't think you would see on TV. I didn't watch it mainly because you told me that you didn't much care for it. Yeah, it, and so that kind of turned me off from watching it. it. It was very, very slow. The last couple episodes, though, really picked up, and frankly, got me kind of interested in the second season. So we'll see how that progresses. Um, season two continues with the town coming to grips with the shocking massacre incurred by one of its deadliest creatures, Roman and Peter, uh, who are basically the two main characters are now faced with new responsibilities and the realities that come with adulthood. Roman's relationship with his mother, played by Famke Janssen, uh, is all but dead as... Jean Grey. Yep. Um, is all but dead as he struggles with his 
struggles with his unwanted up here birthright. And spoiler alert, up here is actually a, I believe it's a Yugoslavian, basically Eastern European uh, version of a vampire. So there's that. Um, struggles with his unwanted up here birthright and he dis- and the disappearance of his sister Shelley. Peter moves in with Destiny and is forced to get a job right after his mother is sent away. Meanwhile, in a, in search for in a search for a new life, newcomer Miranda Cates uh, embarks on Hemlock Grove with an unknowingly profound effect on Peter and Roman and Norman, uh, who's played by Doug Ray Scott. Uh, is still reeling from the loss of his family, and he must face the harsh truths that are uncovered about those he still loves. And the White Tower looms menacingly over town as Price's mysterious experiments are questioned, and he will be faced with the hardest decision of his career. So, as I mentioned, uh, Famke Jansen stars uh, um, Bill Skarsgård, Skarsgård, uh, Landon Laborian. Le- uh, and Doug Ray Scott. Um, uh, also, Madeline Brewer, Madeline Martin, Joel De La Fuente, and Tio Horn. Um, I know some of those people. <laughs> I know some names on that list, some of them. Um, so, uh, as in typical Netflix fashion, the entire series will be released on July 11th. Netflixian? Yep. July 11th. 7-11. Yeah, so if you... I mean, like I said, even if you got, got hooked by the last two episodes like I did, this might be interesting to you. I feel like they're probably going to pick it up here in the, in the second season. And maybe. Because there won't be so much character development. You'll just kind of get right into it. Word. But we'll see. So this is going to be kind of a brief story. Or, um, it's about underwear. Yep. Brief. Get it? Get I, it? Oh, I get it. Right? Right? <laughs> right? No. No. Taylor, no. I want to talk to you about Dracula Untold. Um, Dracula. Yep. It is a new movie. That's it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> We said it would be brief. It's about Dracula, ostensibly. Yep. Um, it stars uh, John Rice Luke Myers. Evans, who you would probably know remember from um, God, The Immortals. Um, nope. Keep going. Well, that's what he was from. I don't know. That, that's all that comes immediately to mind. He's been in other things, but um, he was in... The Raven, The Hobbit. Oh, he's playing uh, Eric Draven in the Crow remake. Oh. So that's a thing. That's um, a whole other thing. We're not going into that thing. No. Stay on this thing. Uh, um, Dracula Untold basically tells you the story of... Wait. It's untold, but it tells... It tells it because it's untold. There it is. Yep. I got there. <laughs> So proud of you. You're coming along. Um, tells the 
untold story of Dracula. <laughs> Basically, everything that happened before the book. So, it starts with you know, Vlad Tepish, as you know, as a warrior prince basically, and his story of becoming a vampire, becoming Dracula. Um, Dracula. Yeah, we got it. <laughs> um, I was kind of a little put off by this at first because it didn't. It, like I don't want to see a movie about you know a war movie about Vlad Tepish. I mean, I've seen all the I've seen all the war movie like you know three hundred like like you mentioned the trailer actually kind of at least part of it reminded you a little bit of three hundred. Yeah, like the first half. That's all I could think of. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I've seen all the movies like that. I didn't need to see another one. But um. Watching the trailer, it did occur to me. That, okay, yeah, he is actually he does actually become a vampire. You know, it becomes Dracula in this. So yeah, uh, that little element thrown in, and it kind of shows how he uses that to lead his army, and that seemed like a really cool idea to me. Um, it's it's kind of a mix of fiction and nonfiction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it really kind of blurs the line between reality and. Bram, Bram Stoker's fantasy. Something just dawned on me. Last episode, we discussed them finding Vlad Tepish's grave. Mm-hmm. Do you think it might be a publicity stunt? Uh, maybe. I don't know. It seems pretty elaborate. Yeah, some some movies do that, though. Yeah. Possibly. Anyway, um, so this, like I said, the, the trailer's out. Um, you can find it on on YouTube or you know wherever. Uh, imdb.com anywhere else that plays movie trailers Um, I really think you should go check it out if you're if you're into vampire movies this and even like battle war movies like 300 um, like Alexander uh, the movie like these big epic movies like that uh, this might be something of interest to you so go check it out Um, don't know the release date Cotton October up. 3rd 2014 thank you I got so. you son um, so keep an eye out for that and check out the trailer back i don't know exactly when we, we didn't actually report on it but there was news coming out that predator was going to be rebooted mm-hmm. it turns out that although there is a new predator movie coming out it's actually going to be a sequel right which could be good and bad because anybody that saw predators knows that that movie was shit I mean, why the fuck would you cast Adrian Brody as an action star? <laughs> the fucking pianist. Penis. Yeah, penis. Um, thank you for taking the obvious joke, Taylor. That's what I do. You can't tee, tee me up and not expect me to take a swing. Um, the cool thing about this is that Shane Black is going to be directing it. And Shane Black, you would know from movies like um, 
Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, uh, Iron Man 3, and uh, Lethal Weapon. So, um, anybody that likes those movies know he's got a style about him, um, a lot of narrative. And um, it, it could be an interesting take on the Predator uh, series if he does do that, like, kind of style of his. But And also, this, the script is being written by Fred Decker, who wrote Night of the Creeps. Right. And Decker and Black originally worked together in the 80s on the fucking Monster Squad. <laughs> Which might be uh, in the top ten greatest movies of the 80s. Wolfman's got nards. <laughs> um, fun fact, uh, Shane Black actually starred in the original Predators. Oh, I'll be goddamned. Yeah. Um, yeah, he started as, uh, Hawkins, a.k.a. the first guy to die. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, he was quoted as saying, uh, uh, why start over when you've got all this rich mythology yet to mine? Um, he says he doesn't like reboots generally, but he can really get behind the inventive sequels. Uh, he says that he likes the idea of expanding and exploring the existing Predator mythology rather than hitting the restart button. You know, usually I'd be be with you here, um, but I just don't know because Predator sucked. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't know as far as this specifically, but just hearing that you know, there's all this story to be told. Why do we need to tell the same goddamn story over and over again? Yeah. Just relating that to anything is beautiful to hear somebody say. Yeah. Um, I just wish more directors felt that way. No shit. I think Michael Bay. Fucking Michael Bay. Um, it's a theme show. <laughs> we just change the name to the this uh, the fuck Michael Bay podcast. And then we gotta like change our RSS feed, and that's a whole process. It's a big thing. Um. Anyway, so. Yeah, Predators, I had a lot of hope of, for it because it was going to be, you know, it was Robert Rodriguez, but then he cast fucking Adrian Brody, Topher Grace, and fucking Lawrence Fishburne, who I cannot the stand. Fish. I can't stand that asshole. Um, so that movie was just fucked. Now, the good thing about it was that it took place on another planet. So, I guess you could easily negate all the happenings in that movie if you move the story back to Earth. So... We'll see. Um, there's no release release date set for it, obviously, because they haven't even cast yet. Um, but we will keep you updated on it. Lastly, uh, real quick, uh, as you know, Insidious Chapter 3 is happening, and... Insidious. Do it again. Insidious. Oh, it's so creepy. I know. Insidious. (laughs) (laughs) That will be making its grand debut on 
May 29th. I had to think of what the fifth month was. <laughs> May 29th, 2015. That's a few days before my birthday. Just in time for Tony's birthday. Hey. Happy birthday. My 30th. Here's its, oh, yeah, shit. Oh, I'm going to get to make fun of you. <laughs> you'll still be older than me. <laughs> yeah, but you'll be 30. <laughs> so happy birthday. I got you Insidious Chapter 3. Oh, thanks. As we've discussed before, Insidious Chapter 3 stars... Uh, actually, I don't know if we've said that this Dermot Mulroney is in it yet. No. Uh, you may know him from several episodes of The New Girl. Uh, it also stars Stephanie Scott, who is a Disney Channel girl, and Lynn Shea, who was in Kingpin. <laughs> that's her uh, That's her shining star there, yep. the Kingpin. <laughs> Lee Wanell, who was in Insidious, and Angus Sampson, who was in Insidious. And presumably Insidious 2 as well. Yes. They were Tucker and Specs. Right. Um, so... Yep. So if you like Insidious and liked Insidious Chapter 2, then go see it. Look out! Or don't. What the fuck do I care? <laughs> uh, yep. That's going to do it for horror business. Um, before we get into our reviews, uh, as we mentioned before, we had a very nice interview with Miss Jessica Cameron. Uh, she's a real fun lady. Um, so... Tune in and listen to what we had to talk about. I don't even know how it's my... I'm Canadian, so I have to apologize for everything. I'm like, I... <laughs> Really it's okay, we're panders. <laughs> also knows Americans, that's cheesy. <laughs> hey guys, Skeletoni here. And Taylor of Terror over here. And we are here with a very special guest. Um, it's a, a director and an actress. <laughs> um, and a writer. And somebody we've talked about pretty often on here on the show. Um, the... Uh, very lovely and talented Jessica Cameron. Hi, Jessica. Hi. Thank you Hi. Very much uh, so how are you doing, Jessica? I'm doing really, really well. How are you? Can't complain too much. Taylor, how are That's you? Good. That's a good way to start it. <laughs> um, so thanks for being here with us. Uh, we're uh, glad we could finally get you on the show. I know, like I said, we, we've talked about Truth or Dare for, God, it seems like forever now. And... Uh, huh. We were really excited to see it when we, when we finally did see it at Crypticon, and uh, um, we were both really impressed with it. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. Crypticon was so fantastic, wasn't it? Big shout out to all the people involved in that convention. If you guys are listening and you haven't gone and you are within like an eight-hour drive, shame on you. <laughs> yeah, it was actually our first time going, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I can speak for Taylor when I said we both thought it was pretty pretty awesome. Definitely. Um and uh, I mean, because you know, we probably would have gone last year too, but you know, we've only been doing the show for uh, about three quarters of a year. So, um, only. what's that? Now you. <laughs> um. So, uh. So yeah, like I said, we you know we saw you at Crypticon. Didn't uh, didn't, didn't get to talk to you too much. Uh, you were seemed like you were kind of a busy gal. <laughs> I, I do have those busy moments. Yeah. It was definitely a very busy horror con, which is great. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. What we want. 
Yeah, um, I mean, several people that we talked to, I mean, this, I guess the celebrities in general um, basically said that it was like one of their favorite cons. And, it's, you know, it's kind of a, oh, you say that to all the cons type thing. But, um, <laughs> no. I don't. I can actually give you that. <laughs> Google, me. Google me. You will see that I do not hold all conventions equal. <laughs> well, God, you enjoyed yourself. Um, oh, I loved it. It was actually uh, the the people that run it are, in my opinion, like just some of the best. Yeah. So, and then the fans are just phenomenal. Yeah, a lot of uh, passionate people there. I mean, I think we picked oh, up on God, that too. Truest of the true horror fans. Yeah, and you were there with uh, your your fellow Canadian cohorts, the uh, the Saskas and uh, and Miss Risk. We had Risk. this whole Canadian corner, which is <laughs> amazing. We like took over, and everyone just sort of was like, "We want to be Canadian." We're like, "Ha ha, sex. <laughs> we have free healthcare." <laughs> That's, hey. You guys always go to the free health carrots. <laughs> hey, we tried, I, I damn it. That only because it's such a bullshit excuse. It's, it's really, honestly, don't worry, you're not missing anything. I'd rather pay for it in America and actually get health coverage that works. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, it's kind of, a, it's one of those catch-22s. Sure, it's always it's, there. You know, you get what you pay for. <laughs> right. <laughs> that being said, we did have a hell of a lot of fun in our little Canadian corner. And it was also uh, with the... Tristan Risk. So I'm not on. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say it yet because it's supposed to. The news was supposed to hit the wire earlier this week, but with the holidays happening, you know, Canada is Canada Day, and and uh, uh, obviously this is the Fourth of July. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know if it hit the news, but I'm actually they they were supposed to announce it today at the latest that I'm doing a movie with Risk. That's awesome. Yeah, in Canada, I fly out on Wednesday. Killer. It's going to be awesome. I've not been allowed to talk about it. This is like the first chance because like literally today was like the day that it was supposed to go public. All right. We got the scoop. <laughs> you got the scoop. Uh, and I don't know. I think we, we tech- wrote Fangoria. They were supposed to cover it like days ago. But, you know, Fangoria has an office up in Canada. Mm-hmm. Canadians like their Canada Day. <laughs> Didn't get covered. So you so. give us any uh, any details about the movie or is it pretty hush-hush? Yeah. No. Well, I mean, it is. But whatever. We're all <laughs> It's fine. Uh, I mean, they booked the flight, so what are they going to do at this point? <laughs> I think not. Uh, no, so there, uh, it's actually Save Yourself, which is going to be directed by Ryan M. Andrews, and it's going to be in the Toronto area. And it involves a group of women filmmakers who are on their way to a film festival to screen their latest movie when they come across a mad scientist played by Rye Barrett, who's a really hot Canadian actor. Oh, cool. Uh, right? There's a few things in life I like more than a mad scientist. <laughs> that's kind of fucking rad. You don't see a lot of mad scientist movies anymore. No, that's kind of played out in the 50s. and are so good. It's so well written, too. Ryan M. Andrews is one of my favorite directors in mm-hmm. the scene. If you don't know who he is, look him up now. Sick has just finished playing its festival run, Black Youth, before that. So it's a really fantastic, super sexy female grindhouse kind of just a fun little cool yeah um the the i I mean just from the description i kind of got like yeah like you said kind of a grindhouse plot a little bit that's uh that's cool um oh yes it's gonna be super and i get to bunk with risky (laughs) so i'm sure there'll be like crazy shenanigans oh i'm sure yeah she uh so funny like seattle crypticon because i haven't seen the twins or or risky for months before that mm-hmm. um they're like some of my best friends but we're all so busy and we're very understanding of that so we're not in constant contact like i consider them sisters about my life uh, and likewise but 
I don't feel the need to every day they're crazy busy I'm crazy busy so sometimes we'll literally go months without talking mm-hmm. together but the love is it's odd um, it's funny because like a lot of people don't get it people some friends if like they don't hear from one of us the other one is like oh my god it's me responding we're like no 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 they're just in their crazy busy time like we don't we shut down we shut the world uh hadn't seen them for and we had planned we got to the hot tub little tip for you guys uh we like to sneak to hot tubs whenever we can nice. um <laughs> knowing that it had locked down at 10 o'clock and so we were like okay we're gonna be really discreet because everyone was wanting to talk and we love hanging out with everyone but we really just wanted some own hot tub time so we're like okay we're gonna be discreet and you know like to my time throw my hair up take off my makeup put on my bathing suit and like my bikini underneath my pajamas like my conservative like loungy pajamas <laughs> and then go pick up risky who prances at in her bikini starts doing <laughs> handstands and i'm like risk there's nothing to screw at this you're doing handstands in a bikini you're drawing more attention <laughs> Yeah, we talked to her for just a little bit. We're, uh, we talked about setting up an interview with her on the show. Uh, haven't set that up quite yet, but um, yeah, she seemed like quite a character. <laughs> just, a, just a real oh animal, fun person to be around. <laughs> People are like, are you real? You're just so ridiculously amazing that I almost want to say you can't possibly be physically. Like she's a cartoon. <laughs> right. But fabulously so. So you say, I cannot wait. And that being said, that couldn't get into the hot tub. It was locked. Oh, so shit. I Curses. You just scaled the fence. <laughs> scaled the fence. <laughs> I did. I did it twice. And the one time we scaled the fence, he was deliberately, we're like, we walked right behind him and went into the hot tub. And you could tell that he was like, if I don't make eye contact, I <laughs> this doesn't. This is not happening, and I can't get in trouble. <laughs> Literally avoiding our. <laughs> well, it sounds like you ladies definitely had a fun time in Crypticon. <laughs> oh my god, we had way too much fun. <laughs> too much cool. fun. Well, I'm glad you uh, had fun in our little little corner of the planet. <laughs> um, yes, hopefully, we'll see you again next year. Yeah, definitely. Um, so. Uh, yeah. I'll even get the screen save self. What's that? Maybe I'll even get the screen save yourself there. That would be awesome. And we will be there front and center. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, obviously you've said, you know, you're, you're Canadian. And, <laughs> and uh, what, but why don't you tell uh, kind of our listeners uh, a, little about, a little excuse me, a little bit about your backstory. Um, you know, kind of where you came from, how you how you got into the business. Well, that's kind of funny. I kind of fell into the business, for lack of a better term. So uh, I effectively went to school. Okay, guys, we're back here. Um, we were having some technical difficulties, but I think we've solved it now. <laughs> um, so, Jessica, 
please tell us your story. <laughs> well, I actually got into acting uh, in a really peculiar way. I had no intention of becoming an actress. I actually went to uh, school for fashion design, which is something that I always sort of was drawn to, and I loved it in practice and theory. Um, however, what I found was that as soon as I got hired outside of school, that I, I didn't like how the real-world adaptation of it worked. And luckily for me, they weren't too thrilled with me either. They felt that I spoke too fast. So <laughs> they actually demanded, I know, right, they actually demanded that I take uh, classes to fix the issue. Um, well, damn so them. I couldn't find classes to fix the issue. Pardon? So, well, damn them. <laughs> right. So, but then when I couldn't find classes to fix speech, because all I could find is like how to write a speech class, not like actual speaking speech. My immediate boss, who thought it was a joke, but it came from her boss's boss, was like, you know what? Just take an acting class, talk slowly around the stupid people, and we'll call it a day. <laughs> and that's what I did. And it worked. And it worked really, really well. So uh, from there, I just kept on taking as many acting classes as I could just because I loved it. It was something that was so challenging and fun for me. Um, and even then, I didn't really think that I would ever turn into a career. I knew that I was, within a matter of months, I became, you know, suffering through my day job just so I could get to the acting class. But I never really treated it like a career at first. It was just fun for me. And it wasn't until I kind of had this epiphany one day and I was sitting on the back porch in my Ohio house. And I was like, you know, I can do this like for real I can really do this um, and then I just sort of started putting all of my effort and energy into it and I formed a plan of attack so that I I would leave my job within X number of months after I had X amount of savings and it worked and I left that in 2010 and I haven't looked back then well nice you're kind yeah. of uh, <laughs> ironically you're the American dream <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Which is really, really funny when you take into account that I am Canadian. Right. What, what is the Canadian dream? Hockey? <laughs> Probably. And poutine. Poutine. <laughs> Canadian dream isn't a Canadian dream without poutine, let's be honest. So you said uh, you're all... you're all... real, folks. <laughs> Pardon? You, you said you're Ohio house. How, how long have you been... I mean, do you live primarily in... No, no, no. I, I actually just own a property there. Oh, okay. Okay, so you, you do still, you're so still... You look if you're looking for a place in Ohio, you can message me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> keep that in mind. <laughs> We're not, but... <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> um, Here, I thought I got invented. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I think a, a large percentage of your work, if not almost all of it, is uh, in the horror uh, genre. Um, do you find yourself having like a, uh, a particular passion in horror or is it just kind of something that, that happened? Well, you know, it's actually funny cause it's not necessarily all in horror. It's just mostly what I'm known for. Mm -hmm. So that being said, um, you know, I have done sci-fi. I actually started in comedy. Um, I did really? a series of this show that would later become a web series when it wasn't picked up for enough money, um, at an actual, uh, what are they? you know, network channel. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually started doing improv comedy. That was like my first big job kind of deal. Huh. Um, so I, yeah, but it's funny because like horror and comedy, in my opinion, are connected and linked kind of in a way. Definitely. Because they both have a very similar, similar, similar formula, you know, although with comedy, it's like beat, beat, laugh. With horror, it's like beat, beat, scare. Yeah. Or, you know, beat, beat, torture, things like that. 
Um, so there, there's a rhythm to both of them, I find, that is different from other genres, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think that's why they, they tend to mesh so well. I mean, you see so many horror oh, comedies. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I just, here's, like, I loved it. I, I've always loved horror. Horror has always been my number one go-to. Um, I didn't originally set out to be like, I'm going to, you know, get known in horror. If I knew that was an option, I would have. I didn't. <laughs> I kind of, uh, quite frankly, was like, I just want to work. I want to work, and I want to work as much as I possibly can. Um, and what I ended up getting, like, what I ended up going out for majorly was independent horror films. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the reality of the matter is that's, like, the largest number of movies that get made you know in the midwest are these independent horror films because you don't need you know a a name celebrity you don't need a huge budget you can make them for relatively cheap um and you can do a really good job so that's kind of just what i started doing so i I, you know i i was lucky in the fact that i started working and people started really taking notice and appreciating me and one work would lead to another it would lead to another it would lead to another and i just sort of kept going and then it was a horror genre that i felt so impassioned towards um and then also that i just started getting you know the best offers from right well, that's that's awesome i mean uh, i know the the horror genre is definitely glad to have you <laughs> <laughs> so well, thank you so what are some of your favorite horror movies then oh it's hard to see. That's such a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. I hate when people ask me. Like yeah. every day. Right? And there's so like, many subgenres. It's, it's like, do you mean my favorite slasher? My favorite zombie? My favorite, you know? Right? Because it doesn't seem fair. It's like apples and oranges, you know, comparing like an 80s slasher to, uh, you know, comedy horror film. Yeah. It's just not fair. Um, but no, uh, I think some of my automatic go tos, uh, Natural Born Killers, which some people like to argue with me, it's not a body count or it's not a horror film, but I say, look at the body count. And the motivations from your lead characters. It's about two serial killers that go on a lamb <laughs> and brutally kill people maliciously. So, in my opinion, it's pretty horrific. Um, that being said, I love it. I think it's a great movie. Um, I, I also just think it's great for people who are not, like, huge horror fans, per se. I think it's just a great movie all around. Um, I also really, really, really love... Um, the Soska's work obviously you know we talked about them earlier mm-hmm. I was a fan long before I ever actually spoke to them they actually I was a fan and they blocked me uh, before <laughs> I ever got to speak to them I, true story true story um, I was a fan of Dead Hooker in a Trunk and I thought what they were doing was really amazing so I reached out to them in I don't know 2011 I guess and I reached out to them like basically like a couple days after some catty woman contacted them and was like this Jessica Cameron is uh there's always drama in independent, you know, film. That's all there is. There's a lot of drama. It's like high school. Mm-hmm. Not as bad as fashion, but still not good. And on this one particular day in 2011, I think it was, um, there was an actress who, who started telling her friends that because I posted an audition online uh, that the film folded because the, the script was officially leaked. And therefore, she lost her role that was going to make her an A-lister, which is all not true. I mean, it's, I posted the audition that I taped myself mm-hmm. uh, because the production was being shady. And I was like, fuck it. I'm going to at least get this out of it. You know, I spent a lot of time and effort on this audition. So I'm going to share it with the world kind of deal. Um, but it's a lie. You know, you don't, you know, no movie is ever going to make one person a star. That's just not how it works unless you're a big movie. It's not a low budget movie. Yeah. In this case, the people never had the funding. They were lying about it. But regardless, the, this woman, uh, this woman's friend reached out to people and told them, you know, careful, she's trouble. You know, she <laughs> ruined my friend's career. So the Saskas, you know, not having a lot of time in their schedules were like, lock. 
And I didn't know for years I was blocked. So, like, I was tweeting at them and being like, don't check out the trailer because it doesn't show you. Like, you, I can tweet at people that are have blocked me, uh, and it doesn't show you unless you go to their page. So I was, like, tweeting out, you know, and I was kind of like, that's weird. They never retweet anything, and I'm always telling people, like, check out this, you know, great Canadian duo making movies, Dead Hooker. Um, until a couple years later when we were at a horror con and I went to go tweet at them and I'm like in the hotel room with them and I was like Jen, Sylvia I'm <laughs> locked and they're like oh my god we were hoping you didn't notice we were so sorry. we were to fix it uh, and then they did unfix it but it was pretty comical um, so there you go right? Uh, so definitely their work uh, fan first and I'm lucky enough to call them friends today uh, dear friends uh, but their work alone I think is outstanding and as someone who has seen snippets of Zeno Evil 2 I think if you are not already a huge fan of their work then you are about to be converted because these girls are taking over it's only a matter of when you join them yeah um, we, we both really you know, dug uh American Mary. We actually talked about it on the show a handful of episodes ago, um, and then yeah, we talked to them at uh, at Crypticon. They're they're a great couple of girls and um, uh, just uh, really fun people to be around. Um, and yeah, we're we're both really excited to see see no, see no evil too. Um, Which is oh, weird because we both hated the first. Yeah, <laughs> and yet we're still really excited for the sequel. And I didn't it, like. Here's the thing. I don't know. I liked. I, I liked the sense of humor that Kane had, which, by the way, he doesn't have in the sequel. Uh, but that's the one thing I will say about that is I, I appreciate. That I, if you haven't seen it, I do think for me watching that movie was worthwhile only because I appreciated the dark humor when he shoved the cell phone down the girl's throat. The girl that was always on her cell phone. Um, I thought that was really clever. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just me, uh, <laughs> but that was my definitely like worth watching it for that alone. That being said, definitely not one of my favorite films, but *Smile* two I know will be. Um, you know, other films that I love, *Martyrs*, I think is an amazing film, and even though it's not that old, is definitely a classic. The original *Old Boy*, not the remake. I have not seen it. I probably won't see the remake, um, but the original is epic. I love that. Um, *Saw*, the original *Saw*. I don't mind some of the sequels, but I don't think any of them stand up as strong as the, the first one. Um, you know, The Conjuring, Sinister. I think there's been a lot of great horror in the last five years that has been really, really strong. If we could just stop remaking it and move forward, I think we'd be in a really good place. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you're talking about the uh, the Oscars and what fans you are, what fan you are of their work, and you know how good friends you are. Any plans to work with them in the future? Or I mean, I mean, obviously, I have to assume you you would like to, but are there any well, plans? Well, I mean, I I would love to. We'll just <laughs> see if the stars ever align. It's mm-hmm. really hard because it's like in this business, it's not necessarily who you're friends with, who you want to work with, or who wants to work with you. It's all of the above on top of are you a right fit for the project? Do these other people believe in you? And the reality of the matter is, they're making movies far bigger than anything I do. Mm-hmm. So you know we will see i hope that i i will at some point uh regardless i wish them obviously all the best you know i'm going to be fans of their work even if i'm not um but yeah i think you know they're what they do is amazing so yeah definitely you know and i think any actress would be a fool to not want to work with them Mm -hmm. um so uh, I guess a, a little while back, I was thinking about using this as a transition, but we've changed topics. But <laughs> uh, independent horror that could uh, bring us to talking about Truth or Dare, um, which oh, of yeah. course is your directorial debut. Um, it is. Yeah. Um, so let's just start off, and why don't you kind of give us uh, kind of a, a basic plot of the movie? 
Sure. It's about a group of friends who get internet fame by making fake truth to dare videos, and everything goes horribly awry when their number one fan realizes that it's all lies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know, like like I mentioned before, we were really excited to see it for a long time, and we finally got our chance at Crypticon, and we both. I really love too that everyone's like, it's like it's been so long, and I'm like, we've only been like, we finished shooting the movie on May fifth. Mm-hmm. of 2013. It's only been over a year. But I think we just, it's just, we've done a very active social media campaign for the movie. Yeah, we kept hearing about it from people who are like, it's so gruesome and there's people vomiting in the audience and it's like, we have to see this movie. Yeah, and the thing was, is like we kept, we kept hearing about it, you know, like it being at uh, festivals and, and, uh, and, and um, uh, thing, you know, conventions and things of the like. Uh, but at the time, it wasn't coming anywhere near us. <laughs> um, so when bastards, sorry about that. <laughs> well, when we finally, when we learned that you were coming to Crypticon, we did fucking backflips. <laughs> Not actual backflips, but well, I figured as much. If you did, I, I wish you would have filmed it. <laughs> I tried, but I fell on the back of my neck, and now there's a whole thing. There's a whole wheelchair thing, you know. Nice. <laughs> so. Um, so, uh, truth or, or ex- kind of extreme truth or dare, um, where did where did this kind of plotline come from? I mean, did, did you spawn that? You know, you know, it was a. It was kind of. It started when I was a child. Um, I always when we would play truth or dare as a child before cell phones and technology and all that jazz. Sure. Um, I would always take it to a really dark place. So in my mind, I was always like, "What happens if they dare me to stab myself with a pencil? Will I do the dare?" <laughs> it's funny because it's like in retrospect, I'm like, "Why would I just like as a child be like?" fuck that, I'm not doing that dare. I was always like, well, I have to do the dare, but where would I stab myself? Um, and then, like, you know, I would research to be like, okay, well, I don't want to hit this femoral artery. I'm going to stab myself in, like, the lower calf because I'm unlikely to do any damage. And the scarring will be minimal, and it won't affect my footwork choices. So <laughs> things like that are, like, all the stuff that as, like, you know, a seven- and eight-year-old, they would go through my mind, um, for better or worse. That's so, pretty sick, Jess. You know, right? <laughs> oh, it's just a pencil. I mean, obviously, you can see it. It got sicker as I grew up. Right. Uh, <laughs> when I was a child, it was pretty simple. It's just stab yourself with a pencil. I don't stab anybody with a pencil in my movie. I do a much worse thing. Yes, you do. Uh, they they wish they'd been stabbed with a pencil. <laughs> um, that being said, I, I would go to these dark places, and then and when I was older, I was, like, that's a, I was always like, that's a really good idea for a horror movie. I wonder why nobody's done it, or at least no one's done it well. And then when I got older, um, I kind of forgot about it, and then I was chatting with, obviously, John Higgins, who co-wrote it with me, mm-hmm. one day um, about this desperate, you know, desperate actors we knew. Um, like, those actors who firmly, like, there's a subculture of, like, these horrible actors in L.A., who have a very strong sense of self-entitlement, you know, that they feel that they're being withheld, being a star, that they have the skills and the looks and everything, and and for various reasons, it's just not coming to them. But, you know, any day now, any day. And I was like, what what would happen if you were to take that person and put them around, like, some of these makeshift celebrities of today? Like, these people who get famous for doing freaking nothing. Right. You know, I wonder if that would make these people finally snap. And we sort of start, just started, you know, exploring that option. And then somehow it blended into this concept of, well, let's, you know, have him, you know, confronted by these people that he's held up to, like, the standard, mm-hmm. only to find out that they were lying. And let's have them be lying about playing this game. You know, it's a, it's a good little, you know, YouTube marketing ploy. Yeah. Um, and we just sort of started writing it, and it kind of came really, really quickly. Yeah. And the dares, we sort of laid out first the truth, then the dares, and mm-hmm. then... The, 
characters and everything and then we sort of pieced it all together and it just sort of kept coming yeah and it was really creative because um you know at, at one point or you know at a certain point you think because uh, i think a lot of people can relate to kind of being let down by their idols and their heroes um and just finding out kind of their true face and their true nature and just being utterly di- you know crushed and disappointed um and then also on the flip side uh with you know the people basically playing truth or dare well quite literally for their lives um you, you, you know it kind of makes you wonder how far you would go to save your own life uh and and at what point it's not worth it anymore <laughs> right well it's one of the things too like i really wanted to make a movie i felt i I think the horror genre often doesn't utilize some of the best attributes it has. And one of the things as a filmmaker I feel is underutilized in the market today is real time. You know, truth or dare for the most part, once it gets to the house, it's all sort of shot real time, which if you don't know what that means, it's, it means basically as though it's happening in a timeline that's, you know, conducive to real life. You know, so the last, I don't even know, the last hour and 10 minutes of the movie are an hour and 10 minutes in these people's lives. You know, mm-hmm. um, which I think is really crucial because things happen a lot quicker when you don't give people time to sort of breathe and to get away and to sort of move away from it. And also from a psychological standpoint, you start to do things that you don't necessarily think that you would. You know, we all want to believe that we would be that hero. Yeah. You know, we would take a bullet for somebody else because it's the right thing to do because we know in our hearts that we should self-sacrifice over and above putting ourselves in front of another person. But the reality of the matter is that's not true. That's not real life. You know, right. statistics show that when given the opportunity, like a very high percentage, it's like 96 or 98% of people will like literally run to save their own hide the first chance they get rather than fighting off an attacker who's impacting some, who's affecting somebody else that they don't, you know, that they, regardless of if they know them or not, you know, it's just a very, a very high ratio of people who, you know, cover their own ass first and foremost. Um, so we really explored that because we didn't want to be like the very, you know, it's a very stereotypical thing to have like, you know, that one guy who's like, I'm going to dig down the killer and fight. And I was like, you know, we really wanted to keep it real and, you know, as though this were actually happening. You just happened to be in the room with them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, you conveyed that, that feeling very well. <laughs> uh, it was kind of Thank you. very almost like claustrophobic type feeling, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Thank you. We tried. It was something we were very conscious of when we were filming. Um, so how did you come about to direct it? Was that always the plan or? No, it was not. It was actually a huge fuck up on our part. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. It was a total accident. Um, it, what happened was we had locked the script uh, and we decided to officially launch pre-production on January 4th. And me and my producer, John Higgins, made a short list of directors who we felt were capable of handling the material. Um, and could do a really great job with the budget that we were working with. And it was a short list. It was six names. So we make this group of names, and then we go through, we spend a couple days sort of addressing, like, the pros and cons of each person. So now we've got them in an order of one to six, one being our top pick. Then we started to approach these wonderful directors, and uh, it took a lot longer than what we thought. You know, we don't want to approach, like, all six of them at one point because we don't want, if one person wanted it and they were number five, we didn't want you know, lose it on number three if number three wanted it kind of deal. So we went out to them one-on-one and it just took like three to four weeks per person. 
so by the time we were done, like we were literally approaching the end of our pre-production phase and we had no director. Um, and three of them came back and said they would do it if we changed certain scenes majorly. Like they felt it crossed too many boundaries, either emotional or physical, depending upon who you ask. And then three couldn't do it in our timeline. Cause we knew that we had this very short window where I could get my talented friends to do me like the biggest favors ever if I shot it within this gap. Right, so so the timeline wasn't flexible, mm-hmm. at least not with the talent that I wanted. So um, three came back and said, if you change the script, I will. Three came back and said, if you change your timing, I will. So we were quickly ending our pre-production phase, and we had a couple weeks. And when we sat down, uh, Devony was like the one who was like, why don't you direct it? She was like, you don't want to change the script. You don't want to change your dates. You know, you've been talking about this movie for years. Why don't you direct it? Yeah, kind um, of a... And we sort of all laughed. You know, we're like, oh, no. But then the more we, like, looked at the schedule, and we're like, oh, we don't really want to move the schedule. And I'm like, I'm not changing the script. <laughs> I was like, if you're morally appalled by it, that's the point. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> I did what I wanted to. You know, it's not... I don't believe horror films do a service by trying to please everyone. I think the very nature of a horror film is you're doing horrible things to someone in every horror film. Yeah, and so you know, many of them not, pull punches. It's not and... a puppy running through a bed of roses. You know, they're, <laughs> they're supposed to be controversial. Yeah, and so many of them pull punches nowadays, and it's, it's total bullshit. Yeah, and I hate that. Don't, like, as a horror fan, like, as a horror fan, I don't love every movie, but at least give me something I can respect. Yeah, exactly. You know, if I feel that you did it 110%, even if it's not my cup of tea, I will salute you for giving it 110%. Where I don't like it is if I feel like they're placating me or pandering to me or trying to please too many people, only because horror films aren't supposed to please people. You know, that Kate Hudson, Matthew McConaughey film, that's supposed to please those desperate women in their 40s who don't have a love or sex life. You know what I mean? Those movies are supposed to please those people. Horror films aren't. Horror films are just supposed to be whatever the fuck they are. Yeah. You know, that's what they are. So I I really didn't want to do that. Um, And then as we were quickly approaching the deadline, I was just like, you know what? Fine, I'm going to do it. And I met with the DP and got him on board, and he was really fine with it. And then we just sort of started walking the shot list. I let the actors know, so I was like, hey, heads up, if you're not cool with it, that's fine. You can leave. But everyone was great with it. Nobody changed. So it worked out well. Awesome. Um, give me a sec. <laughs> What's my train of thought? Um, you you mentioned at Crypticon that there's going to be a sequel and actually a, a trilogy. Are you planning on directing all of them? Or well, I'd love to, so. Okay, so after Truth or Dare for a good six months, and every time people would ask me this, and they're like, "Are you going to direct again?" I was like, "Fuck no." Yeah. Um, uh, right? Uh, because here's the thing. Just the honest truth. Directing is nowhere near as much fun as acting. So just to keep it in perspective, as an actor, I'll show... If my call time is at 8 o'clock as an actor, I show up at 10 to 8, and they're thrilled that I'm early. Or I show up right at 8, and I'm still early. They're assuming you're going to be late. Um, somebody brings me coffee. They ask me if I need anything to eat or whatever I want. I can ask. I go into a, a room where they have my wardrobe freshly laid out. They're waiting for me for hair and makeup where they make me look amazing. I go into the wardrobe that somebody else has freshly cleaned and pressed and prepped for me. And then I show up on set and I run my lines with the scene actors. And then they move me out. I get to sit down and go back to a nice, comfortable holding area where I have coffee and drinks and whatever the hell else I want. 
And then, you know, as they reset up a light or do whatever, and then an hour later, I might go back and shoot another 15 minutes. And I'll do that for, you know, 10 or 12 hours a day. And that's like the life of an actor. The life of a director is very different. <laughs> so it's like if the actor's call time is eight, the director's probably been on set since five. <laughs> um, you know, making sure everything's going on. You know, I, I, there was no time to shower. Even if I wanted to half the time, nobody's telling me uh, that I look pretty because I look like a train wreck. Um, I am not getting able to break. Nobody's bringing me coffee or beverages. My clothing is not washed or ready. I'm having to check to make sure. Heads up, is the DP ready? How are we doing this? Have you set up for the shots? Do you need an extra set of hands? Where's my AD? Did you give all the sides to the actors? Did you review this with them? Did you do this? Okay. Um, and then you shoot the scene and then the actors get to leave and you, you know, make sure you got everything and you read the footage and then you set it up for the next scene and then you keep going. And it's, you know, 18 to 22 hours of work a day. So just when you compare it like that, I was like, fuck no. Why does anyone want to do this? (laughs) Right? Like, it seems like the bad choice. It just, it's not as much fun. It's way more work. It's less showering. (laughs) Um, so I, I was like, no, never again. It's just not going to happen. Um, but I do love to tell a good story. Mm-hmm. And with the amount that the fans have been so supportive, I do kind of think that they, I owe it to them to do it. So we will see. I'm now leaning towards doing the sequel, although we will see. I, I, do, I will say I, I've had the less experience to direct a couple shorts in the last year um you know one for the Saskia's blood drive video another one for a little turn your off turn off your cell phone psa mm-hmm. um and i love i do have a love of directing when i'm not in front of the camera i find when you're in front and behind of the camera it's too conflicting mm-hmm. so uh that we'll see it'll just sort of depend um, but there definitely will be sequels. We've got them all planned out. Um, we've actually got some amazing people who want to do the sequel pending schedules. So just wait. We're going to really up the ante. Yeah, we're, awesome. Yeah, we're definitely excited for that. <laughs> um, so, I mean, Truth or Dare did exceptionally well in, in the in the festival circuit. Um, I mean, it's gotten tons of awards and, you know, acclamations. And um, did you see any of that coming <laughs> never mm-hmm. never at all nope uh not in our i mean i don't think you ever could you know it's one of those things where i <laughs> you have to be the most conceited motherfucker in the world to be like, <laughs> i'm gonna make a movie and it's gonna win you know nearly 30 awards um <laughs> no you know i was kind of like you know it's in me i have to get it out it was sort of like uh almost what I think must a tumor must feel like or like what a splinter feels like, you know, when you have that splinter and you have to get it out even if you have to tear apart your hand to like pull out that little piece of wood. Mm-hmm. You know, like you analogy. have to do whatever <laughs> it takes to get it out because it just needs to be out. It shouldn't be there. So uh, making sure that I kind of, I just had this idea for a movie that I felt needed to be unleashed on the world. And I didn't need it inside of my body and soul. So I had to get it out. And that's kind of what I did. Um, so, and, you know, since then, I, you know, I, I was like, I don't think I'll ever do it again. But then I had this, like, amazing inspiration um, from a dear friend of mine who suffers from severe mania and bipolar disorder. And hence my next movie that we're going to be doing um, surrounding all of that. Because it's just when I'm inspired, there's just... 
I have to get it out. Well, yeah, uh, can uh, definitely. It's uh, not too creepy. <laughs> maybe, maybe don't refer to your movie as a cancer. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and here's the thing: like, I, I, you know, I knew as a horror fan, I was making a movie that I love. As a horror fan, I just—it's one of the things where I don't, you know, I hoped people lo- would love it. You know, I was confident. I was like, people should like it. But, you know, I'm sometimes amazed at the movies that I don't like that other people do. I'm, you know, I'm endlessly surprised when Hollywood, you know, is remaking, you know, Old Boy. I was like, really? Why are you remaking it? So, I mean, me and the general population and audiences don't always see eye to eye. So the fact that people are loving it is really great. Mm -hmm. Um, I really appreciate it. But no, I never, it never even got that far in my mind. I was just like, I'm going to make this really fucked up movie. <laughs> Hopefully I will survive to tell another tale. Well, you definitely achieved that, and he definitely grossed us out, which is hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet! <laughs> but you didn't pass out or faint. No. No, we're not pussies. <laughs> um, so, Wait, uh, I, I consider that a challenge for the sequel, my <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> um, so... Mm. Uh, let's let's talk about I guess the future. Um, another movie you're you're, I guess, probably wrapping up with if you're, if you're not already done with it um, uh, is Utero, um, which is Utero is yes. That's a movie that's I mean just the marketing alone's got me intrigued. <laughs> I mean a, a gross spider monster crawling out of your stomach that's uh, that's that's a draw. Sold. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and everything was practical effects. It's amazing. Right. I love I that. Ad- right, so do I. I'm a big, um, and I have some amazing friends in the CG business, so no insult to you guys intended. I just firmly believe that the best effects are practical with CGI to enhance what could not be done physically or safely. Preach in it, my sister. Opinion. Um, no offense, just your career exactly. is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, there. It's not a joke. There's so many things that they can do that aren't like rebuilding things from scratch. You know, you can layer on CG effects onto a practical that's already there and make it ten times more powerful and impactful, and have more control over it. I just believe that they're you know two things that complement each other rather than should ever be used one on its own. Yeah, definitely. Um, if you can help it, you know what I mean. Uh, and I find that usually CGI is used by filmmakers who are often lazy. You know, they're too lazy to deal with practical effects. They don't want to deal with this person getting blood on them. And it's like, just deal with it. That's for sure. You're making a horror movie. Shut the fuck up and deal with it. (laughs) So um, why don't you tell us about Utero? Kind of maybe uh, sum up the plot a little bit. Tell us what we can look forward to. Utero is about a young agoraphobic mother-to-be who is pregnant with her first child um, and begins to believe that her baby is, in fact, a monster, specifically a spider monster. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it's got some of the most amazing practical effects. I'm trying not to give a spoiler when I talk about it because I I just want to fill you in all these, like, things that happened on set, but they all involve, like, plot points. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so, so it, it was it was an amazing experience. The practical effects are off the hook. I lost control one day because one of the effects went so well that I tried to write my name uh, without giving away too much, rather than being like in character. I was like, "Look, Ma, I can write my name." Uh, it's so cute. <laughs> it was just. It was so amazing. Um, and I started laughing. The director was like, uh, Jessica, you're supposed to be horrified. <laughs> and could you uh, please be scared at what is shooting out of, yeah, let's be scared. I was like, but look, I can write my name. I'm dotting the I. Hold on. 
Um, so yeah, so anyways, it was pretty amazing. Uh, <laughs> the effects were phenomenal. It was by Russell Effects in LA, so look them up. They're spectacular. Uh, so yeah, we're in post-production right now. They're finishing up all of the cuts, so you guys should be seeing it sooner rather than later. Killer. Um, so did uh, working on that movie change your uh, your existing views on parenthood at all? <laughs> Um, you know what? I, I still have mixed views on parenthood. Uh, it didn't impact my hatred of spiders. <laughs> Although Sylvia Saska is uh, trying to uh, very aggressively sway me from my disdain of the insects. Um, I don't have a greater appreciation for our eight-legged arachnid friends, but I will say because of watching Sylvia's love of them and her interaction, they do make me want to not kill them because I feel bad. I feel guilty now when I'm like, I'm going to step on the spider and I'm like, uh-oh, Sylvia would cry. <laughs> Sylvia would give me that look where she's about to cry and her eyes are really big and watery so I can't step on you, little spider dude. Oh, Jesus, um, I can't so even I imagine kind of, like, what happened if one of the Saskas started crying. I think Right? Might start raining blood or something. The end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> be careful. Be very afraid. Um, so, so I kind of let them live, and they they go their separate ways. I go my separate ways. But this is saying a lot because I used to be so paranoid of spiders that I would literally carry around cans of bug spray in the summertime when it gets really bad in LA, um, especially in my building because my building is surrounded by black widows. Oh gosh, there's literally. Yeah, for like three months of the year, there's dozens of black widows everywhere you go. Um, and I used to take a can of uh, bug spray, and in the height of the season, when they start multiplying really badly, I would take up to five cans in like a bag, and just everywhere I'd walk, I'd be spraying around everywhere I went, just because if it was within 10 feet, it had to die. <laughs> um, so I, I'm no longer that extreme. Well, I'm sure the spider population appreciates that. <laughs> right? Um, all right, so... Um well, I mean, I, I think that's kind of all we have for you. Um, so, uh, no, I want more. More. <laughs> There's only so much of us to give. Um, all right, so I guess. I always say. <laughs> so, uh, why don't you tell us where people, I guess, that haven't seen it at a festival or, or wherever, um, when they can get their hands on uh, Truth or Dare? Sure. Truth or Dare is currently playing the festival circuit, so if you're going to be at Comic-Con in San Diego, uh, it's going to be screening opening night, midnight, which is technically the Thursday going into the Friday um, of July 24th. So check us out there. We're also playing Fright Fest, which is end of August in London. Very so nice. I'll be there with bells on, enjoying all of the fun that is Fright Fest, so join us. Um, after that, you can pre-order it. Right now, you can even pre-order on the site. We'll be shipping out after our Fright Fest screening at truthdarethemovie.com. You can find me online. I'm all over that bitch, Jessica Cameron, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, and then keep an eye out for Mania and Kill the PA, which is a document, documentary that's going to be covering the making of Mania and another film as we travel across country. So lots of stuff in the works. And, of course, Save Yourself that I mentioned earlier in the evening. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you have a kind of a ballpark when when we might be seeing that, or because is that still pretty ways pretty far ways off? Well, yeah. I know that they're hoping to have a finished cut starting festivals in spring of 2015. Cool. So keep your eyes peeled. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on and talking to us, and uh, hopefully we see you at Crypticon next year. Yeah, definitely. And uh, if we uh, if we both order a copy of Truth or Dare, any chance we get autograph copies? 
Yes. Uh, oh, everybody's getting it. If you pre-order it for me, I'm autographing that bitch whether you want it to or not. <laughs> awesome. It has, like, my silver signature all over it. On the back <laughs> so the like, movie doesn't work. <laughs> to make this movie. I have the right to sign. And it, truthfully, it's kind of like my baby. Like, it really is mm-hmm. my child point, you know, because I feel like we've been through so much together and I've coddled her for two years. And she's just like my fucked up baby that likes to hurt all my friends. <laughs> Totally fine, right? I mean, we all know that person. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, thanks a lot, Jessica. We really appreciate talking to you and had a lot of fun. My pleasure. Keep me posted when this is uploaded online, and I will blast it out. Certainly well, will. All right, well, uh, we will talk to you later. Thanks. Awesome. Bye, right. guys. Bye-bye. I got that great plot. I got that great plot. I got that great plot. It's right off the highway. Wobbledy wobbledy drop into my grave plot. You afraid of death? Well, I'm afraid not. Cause I got the bomb spot right off the highway. I did it my way. A very small percentage. That might have been one of my more favorite interviews. I mean, I. Most favoritist? My most favorite. I mean, I have a lot of fun at all of our interviews, but that one was, in particular, I thought was really fun. Yeah, we had some, uh, had some troubles in the beginning, but once, yeah. once we got going. She uh she can tell some stories. Yeah. <laughs> um I haven't I mean we we did that interview like literally right before we started recording this episode. So I edited it yet. So I'm not sure exactly how long it's going to be in total, but and I'm not sure exactly how it's going to sound because like you said, we had a lot of technical difficulties at the beginning. But we didn't recap a lot of it, so I'm going to try and make use of that shitty audio. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Microsoft make skype better yeah we had to call her on a cell phone and that's just not cool we should be able to use technology reliably reliably (laughs) uh so yeah hope you enjoyed that um if you haven't seen truth or dare try and see it if you know if you have to go to a festival or whatever or you know even better pre-order the dvd yeah get that shit in your hand don't shit in your hand (laughs) Get that movie in your hand and then put it in the DVD player and then bucks, watch it. Man. Put, put that, that shit in my hand. hand. If that money doesn't show, then you owe me, owe me, owe. My, my jungle love. Oh, we, oh, we, oh. Okay, that's enough. Oh, I can't believe we did all of that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, uh, yeah, buy it, watch it, love it, do it, fuck it. <laughs> Don't fuck it. No, uh, that's that, that would hurt. But yeah, as she said in the interview, uh, those will be getting released after their Fright Fest viewing, uh, which is in October, I think. Okay. I think. I don't live in uh, London, so I'm not sure. Um, and neither do Hank and Wayne. They made sure to point that out to us. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, they live in England. I mean, is there a closer international airport? <laughs> I don't know. They just said was, they said it was the north. Well, every country's got a north, or everywhere's got a north. That's a little Doctor Who quote for you there. All right. But sorry, Hank Wayne. If there's a closer international airport than London Heathrow, then let us know. I mean, we won't. And probably... we'll fly into that one when we come to do our cameo. <laughs> yeah, that you paid for. <laughs> um. All right. Okay. Anyways, let's move on to some reviews. What do you say? Let's do it. Do it. 
I don't know why it whispered right there. It just felt right at the time, but when I was doing it, it felt stupid. <laughs> Wait, it felt right at the time, but while it, you were I guess it, it felt right before the time, but at the time it felt stupid. <laughs> anyway, um, so, which one do you want to do first? Oh, you know, you never have an opinion, and it makes this relationship very hard. Torment. Wakey, wakey, boss. We're here. Little Rabbit, this is Little Monkey, Mr. Mouse, and Piglet. Do you love Sarah more than you loved Mommy? Well, when two people really love each other, they want to become part of the same family. But sometimes the universe has plans for us, plans that we can't even understand. is a movie about family. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> this movie is from 2013. It, like Jessica Cameron, is from Canada. Yes, it is. It Starring is. Canadians. <laughs> I don't know why, but that just made it. Do you not believe we are Indians? Indians? <laughs> we have teepees. It yeah. is written by Michael Foster and Thomas Pound and directed by Jordan Baker. Yep. Yeah. Starring um, Catherine Isabel. We told you. We told you. But you didn't believe us. Why didn't you believe me? <laughs> also starring Peter Dacuna. Robin Dunn. And Stephen McHattie. Yep. Um... So this movie is about Sarah uh, and Corey. They are newlyweds. And Corey's son, Liam. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's ever fully explained, but you're led to believe that Liam's mother died. Yes. And um, Under mysterious circumstances. Mysterious. There weren't mysterious circumstances. They didn't really talk about it at all. Yeah. (laughs) So it it was mysterious because they don't talk about it, so we don't know. So it's mysterious to us. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, and Corey has remarried to Sarah. And they decide they're going to go to Corey's old 
house, old childhood home, I believe. Is it? Is or it just a vacation home? I think it's just a vacation home. Okay. Um, but I mean, it's it's one that the it's been his family's. I mean, like he would bring his former wife and and Liam with him. Right. So that was a point of controversy, mainly with Liam was bringing Sarah to this family place. Right. There you go. And they get there and they see that the house has been broken into. So they call the cops. And the cop goes, eh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know. They're not here, so fuck it. <laughs> um, Ain't nobody to arrest. What do you want me to do? What, am I a cop? <laughs> yes. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> and so, of course, Sarah is now scared to stay in the house. As and she should be. At one point, um, Corey says, like when he's talking to the sheriff, he says, she's never been here. She's never been anywhere. Then so, he, then he said, we've never been anywhere. Like he was implying, like, as a family. He said, she's never been here. Because this was her first time there. And I thought he said, she's never been anywhere. That would seem like a natural progression. Whereas she's never been here, we've never been anywhere. Seems like disjointed sentences. I don't know. I think we're looking too deeply into it. We need to examine this. We need to go deeper. This is integral to the story. Tormentception. <laughs> it's really not integral to the story at all. No, it's really not. Um, man, I did not take a lot of notes. I didn't take any. Oh, on either movie. Good. <laughs> But I'm just I'm rolling with it. So now I'm like looking at my notes and I'm like, what does this mean? <laughs> um, like my my next note after what we've already discussed is why didn't she stay in the room? Don't remember what part of the movie that is. I think that was probably the uh, when he told her to stay in the room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got it, man. You got it. So yeah, they um, basically find out that these people who broke into their house are still there. Yeah. Um, well, they, they they come to find out that uh, after a very passionate embrace and humping, um, <laughs> Corey and Sarah they discover that Liam is missing from his bed. Right. Um, and I can't remember exactly what happens from there, but they basically discover yeah this they go out looking for him outside and they're they're running around outside looking for him and she steps on a nail right so they have to go back in the house yeah uh oh they go yeah they go outside and they see somebody or no they They hear somebody i don't think they actually saw him well actually this is a probably a plot point we shouldn't discuss okay but something happens outside (laughs) That makes them go back inside. Oh, that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and basically kind of the whole movie is them really looking for Liam, I guess. But they get, they get separated. So it's, it's not them working as a team as, like, you know, if, if you read, like, a plot line or synopsis of the movie, it would lead you to believe that they're working together to try and find Liam but they're separate most of the movie yeah and then they this 
family. The, the, the people that are living in their home are they're a family. Yeah. And they um, they kidnap Corey, basically, tie yeah. him up. And they're, they're all wearing these masks. <laughs> but yeah. the masks are made of the heads of Liam's stuffed animals. Yeah. Which is twisted. Yeah. I, I mean, like that. Yeah, I mean, they weren't especially creepy to to look at, I guess. Just conceptually, they are creepy. Yeah. The fact that they were the torn-off heads of this kid's stuffed animals. And one of them was stapled to the guy's head. Yeah. I was fucked. Um, so, yeah, I, I have in my notes that this is kind of a reverse home invasion. A little bit, yeah. Because it's like they don't come into their house while they're there. They come into their house before they're there and kind of camp out. Mm-hmm. So basically it's Corey and Liam and Sarah who are actually doing the home invading, but it's their own home. Yeah. And to an extent, like when, when I was starting to think, okay, well, this is another home invasion movie. I was also thinking it was a little different because a lot of home invasion movies, like, I know you like them a lot. They don't really do Not a lot. A lot. Well, okay. I know you you like them. I don't really care for them very much, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that I don't. I find them very unbelievable because these people do these home invasions and get the best of these people in their own homes. It's like you know, you're in your house. Somebody came into your home. Who knows where all the hiding spaces are? Who knows where all the the you know the blunt objects and knives and, and you know weapons potential weapons are in your home and who knows where all the escape routes are better than you <laughs> and so that's fair point fair point that's why i don't buy a lot of home invasion movies this one was different and it's not like you said it's not exactly a home invasion movie but it kind of changed my mind a little bit because these people have been living there they could potentially know the house as well as anyone else. True, and Sarah's never been there. Right. Um, not that she stays in there like Corian tells her to do, <laughs> which just creates more pain for her. Yeah, he, like, goes to find Liam, or to get help, one or the other. But he locks her in this room, and he says, this, this room is safe. You know, you're on the second floor, they can't come in the window, just put all this furniture in front of the door... And you'll be fine. Just just stay here. Yeah. Then he walks out, and she immediately leaves the room. Yeah, because she, she thinks she hears, like, a video game or something, thinking it's Liam's. But it's like, even if you haven't ever seen a horror movie, that's just... You have to know something's wrong, because Liam is gone. You looked for him everywhere. He's nowhere to be found. If his video game starts going off, that's not him. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, besides being a, like I said, reverse home invasion, it it also has a lot of slasher elements. Like you've got the masked killer mm -hmm. and then there's, you know, like scenes that seem like they're straight out of a Friday the 13th movie. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's scenes of, of torture. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, that being said, there wasn't a lot of gore. No, not really. I mean, really any. I mean, there's like little blood spatters, but that's pretty much it. That's true. 
So at one point, uh, Corey's face does get pretty cut up. I don't remember exactly what caused that, but um, he does get a pretty nasty gash in the side of his face. Yeah. Um, and what's, what is interesting about this one that makes it different than a lot of movies is that the killers seem to have a purpose. Yeah. They're, they're not just nameless, faceless killers they're... out to kill. But the I feel like the purpose was not clearly defined. Well, it seemed to me like they were recruiting. To an extent, yeah. But it was like, like the scene where they had Corey tied up, it didn't really... I guess oh, I get they were trying to get to Liam, weren't they? Well, they were trying... Like, they kidnapped Liam. I mean, this this is revealing parts of the plot. I don't know if they're necessarily spoilers. So, bear with us. If it feels like we're revealing a little too much, just feel free to skip ahead. Um, they kidnapped Liam. I mean, that's where he went. I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah. Um, and then, while Corey is outside... No, what he was doing, he was trying to run to the neighbors. Okay, that's what I thought. And they, they stopped him, or caught him, or something. Um, and so they basically they wake him up. He's he's tied to a chair, and they kind of convince him that, well, presumably, convince him that the only way they're going to let Liam live is if they tell if he if Corey tells him that he doesn't love him anymore, and he doesn't want him, and make it convincing. Because, like you said. They want Liam to join their family. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's really twisted. Uh, kind of takes the, the kind of creepy backwoods family, uh, and kind of shows them in, in sort of a different light, a little bit, and that they're not just like brainless, bumbling, violent hicks. Right. Yeah. They, I mean, they've got more of a purpose, you know. Um, the the guy's voice, the the dad uh-huh. of the the killer family, his voice was interesting. How do you mean? Just he he almost talked like Bane. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna I was gonna do a Bane impression, but there's no cup near nearby. Your punishment must be more severe. There you go. There's a little Bane impression for you. Yeah. It's all right. I worked with what I had. Um, yeah, one one specific scene that I wanted, I wanted to point out was there's a part where Sarah kills one of the family members. Mm-hmm. And I expected, like, just the way the scene was going, I expected some kind of one-liner. <laughs> I just sure. felt... It just felt like the perfect setup because, like, she electrocutes him. And so, like, I don't know, just like, well, that was shocking or something. (laughs) Sure. This turns into a lethal weapon movie. (laughs) That's just the way that it felt to me in the moment. It felt like there was going to be some kind of one liner. But instead, she just goes, fuck you! And I was like, oh, that was disappointing. It's almost as good. No, it's not. Because, you know, fuck that guy. <laughs> um, um, yeah, 
Go, go We're just going to do this the rest of the show. <laughs> um, did Sarah kill somebody with her bare hands? Uh, I don't think so. I think it was a rock. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't tell. Um, and I was just like, whoa, what? Yeah, well, that's all we'll say. <laughs> so we don't want to tell you who lives and dies. Uh, we will tell you that... Someone lives, and someone dies. Yeah. And, so, and also, someone else lives, and someone else dies. Yeah. And, surprisingly enough, someone else lives. Yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. I didn't. I didn't think that that person. I didn't think that him or her would live. Right. Um. So, I think we've and the the end. Basically, like it's it's not a setup for a sequel. It flat out tells you. Okay, <laughs> I was gonna say it's it's it, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it's it's flat out is the opening scene of a sequel. Like they're already putting you in the mindset. Right, that's pretty ambitious. I think. Yeah. Um. But so, I think we've kind of talked in even balance more or less but I think we've talked about what we liked about it what didn't you like uh I didn't like the dude's voice <laughs> alright um I thought that their mission statement was a little clumsy alright um like I said I didn't entirely understand their purpose yeah. uh, and the end I was not a fan of yeah I think that was my biggest gripe I really didn't care for the end there was a little bit of a twist sort of I thought it was silly um, I don't know Like it felt like there's... it felt like there was supposed to be the big reveal and you just kind of went oh yeah like I don't know I, I it's like you didn't care about the big movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I mean, I didn't hate the movie, but I felt like I didn't care about a lot of it. Um, yeah. I mean, I may have been a little distracted <laughs> uh, while I was watching it, but... Um, and at one part, there's there's one character that is running through the woods. I guess I already brought this up, so I'm going to say it. It's Sarah. And she's running through the woods... With a nail hole in her foot and a bullet hole in her leg. Yeah. And I wasn't sure if it was the same side, same leg, or if it was one foot and the opposite leg. I think it was the same leg. Either way, she wouldn't be sprinting. Right. I mean, that takes that would take a lot of adrenaline. Yeah, so that, that kind of took me out of the moment. Yeah. That yeah. and I didn't get my one-liner. Yeah, I think all in all, um, I... Well, that was an electrifying experience. God. (laughs) Yeah, I think um, a lot of the same things that that you didn't like, I think those kind of rang true for me as well. Um, And, I don't know, it seemed a little derivative, I guess. (laughs) I don't know, it just seemed like... It kind of put a, a little bit of a new spin on something 
that's been told a, a lot of times. Just classic. Um, it, it was a classic home invasion, but it took it outside the house. Other than that, I think it was a home invasion movie. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so. And I don't like how they're seemingly trying to shoehorn a franchise out of it. Yeah. Like I said, that's really ambitious, and I really hate when even movies that, you know, before you even see it, you got to assume there's going to be a sequel. I hate when they do that. Yeah. It's it's like they just assume that I'm going to go see the sequel. Yeah. Um, You want to leave it open, but still have it where if that's the end, then people can be okay with it. Yeah. Or just do like Friday the 13th and just kill the villain off and then find some stupid bullshit reason in the beginning of the next movie to have him back. Um, Alright, so ratings. Uh, I didn't hate it, that's for sure. But I definitely did not love it. Um, Lovitz? John, John Lovitz? It stinks! Uh, I want to go a little less than halfway, so I'm going to say four and a half. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, again, I think I'm right there with you. Um, it wasn't terrible, which is why I'm not rating it lower. Um, but it wasn't that great. I don't know that I'll watch it again. I, I, I know that I won't watch it again. It just really didn't do enough for me um I mean it, with, with a movie like this you gotta you gotta give me something other than just a bunch of running um and a torture scene you know give me some gore you know give me some interesting woodsman contraptions to you know when, when she's running through the forest why couldn't she like step in a bear trap or something yeah um you know, things like that, just that would have improved the movie. Also, one point that I was actually pointing this out to my girlfriend at the time, there's a scene where one of the killers has a gun pointed at Liam, and Sarah steps in front and says, take me, not him. It's like, what's going to stop this guy from shooting both of you? Come on. <laughs> yeah. He's not just going to be like, okay, I'll let him live because I shoot you. <laughs> no. Um. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to put this at a four. So there's that. There it is. So, yeah, Torment. um, Is is it on Netflix? Uh, No. Okay, so... Yeah. Gotta go rent a DVD. Or Or catch it on, you know, I, I think it's on iTunes. Okay, yeah, VOD somewhere. Yeah. Um, next up, we are going to talk about compound fracture. Compound? That's not what I said. It's only one weekend. We can make it through one weekend. My family is not like yours. We never knew that part of the story. You care to explain these? This is a very special place, son. It requires very special protection. It started going downhill fast, Michael. Progressive dementia. Jesus, Dad, give me that! You could seriously hurt someone! What does he want? 
There was no one out there, you just tripped and fell. Okay, so Compound Fracture is a movie that came out last year, so 2013. Um, actually came from, uh, I think it's Main, Main Productions. Main Entertainment. <laughs> uh, which is Tyler Main's production company. Because um, apparently being Michael Myers, you get a production company. I don't know. Um, anyway, so the movie is about, uh, Michael Wolfson, um, he, he comes from a family of... Played by Tyler Mayne. Played, yes, thank you. Played by Tyler Mayne. Um, he comes from a family, uh, that's led by this pretty eccentric old man, uh, Gary, who's played by Muse Watson. Um, he creates this cult almost uh, of his own family members um, and they're, they're very inclusive or sorry ex- exclusive um, based around just like till death you know family allegiance you know nothing comes before the family right um, Michael at some point in his life basically by the way before you go for any further the fact that Tyler Maine, he, he wrote this movie, mm-hmm. and he decided to call his character Michael. Yeah, I thought that was odd. <laughs> um, so, he, he, gets, uh, he gets some kind of notice from his father, who at some point in his life, he basically got tired of his father being an abusive asshole, you know, beating up his mother, beating up his daughter, or sorry, his sister, and he gets out. Like he separates himself from the family. Um, he uh, gets some kind of communication from his father um, that uh, draws him back to his family home, which is on this fenced off, like, deep in this wooded area compound compound hence the name there it is oh he's at it uh one thing about this though is there's no compound fractures anywhere in the movie yeah it's an interesting title yeah i mean i get what they're going for but they they actually they they did reference a compound fracture at one point uh they should have called it compound fractured yeah sure because the fractured family mm-hmm. on the compound, right? Um, yeah. Um, so Michael discovers when when he arrives with his fiance and his nephew. Um, he arrives on the compound and he finds out through speaking with his dad and with his dad's new wife. Um, Oh, help me out with her name. Leslie Easterbrook? 
I know the actress. Oh, the character's name? Yeah. Uh, An- Annabelle. Annabelle, thank you. Uh, who is, like you said, played by Leslie Easterbrook, who you would know from Halloween. Um, Lords of Salem. Lords of Salem. Is she Lords of Salem? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Hey! My neighbors are being rude. I apologize. Um... Uh, she was in Devil's Rejects. Yeah, that's what I was getting to. Um, so, oh, she was not in Lord of Salem. I apologize. I didn't. I didn't think so. All right. Um, it is through, like I said, communication with this, you know, talking with his father, and through Annabelle, he comes to the realization that his father is in the early stages of dementia. I mean, he's slowly losing his mind. Um, their home. And the property is covered in these symbols, uh, you know, occult-related. Um, they're, you know, wards and uh, basically just proofing the house, you know, clearly trying to keep something away. Yeah, um, and he's also got security cameras everywhere. Yeah, the like entire... Through, throughout the house, throughout the compound, like around the border. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he comes to find out that... His father is not as crazy as he seems. I mean, he is actually, he does actually have dementia, and he is actually kind of slowly progressing in, into madness, basically. But the compound, excuse me, uh, the compound actually is being haunted by a spirit. And for the longest time, you don't know who the spirit is. You know, it's Derek Mears. <laughs> um, Whose character is named Jason? No. no kidding. That's a joke. <laughs> I say, wait a minute. Um, and uh, eventually you come to find out that he's actually Michael's f- former brother-in-law, mm-hmm. um, who's dead, obviously. Um, um, how old was the kid? Uh, I, for the purposes of the movie, I'd probably put him around seventeen, maybe. Okay. Why? Because I mean, they gained custody of him, but he looked like he was eighteen. Oh yeah, he he looked like he was a bit old to be playing the role, but I don't think he was supposed to be playing that old. Okay. Um, but yes, Michael's sister uh, was killed, and so yeah, he has custody of his nephew, and they don't seem to get along very well. Um, He's an emo kid. Yeah. That was a kind of a, a, a common, or, you know, not common, but uh, something that was in both movies that we reviewed this episode. Emo kids? Well, just little asshole kids. Like, uh. in, like in um, Torment, Liam, he's a little prick. Yeah. And when... Um, Corey was telling him that he didn't love him anymore and didn't want him. I was like, yeah, fuck that kid. <laughs> um, anyway, back to compound fracture. Um, yeah, some like these really odd occurrences start happening, um, and it becomes very clear that the house is being haunted by William, who, again, is Derek Mears. He's um, Michael's brother-in-law. Um, so I'm not sure how much I should 
talk about this before I start like revealing plot points. Mm-hmm. You're zero fucking help. William wears a hoodie. Yeah, that's that didn't really do it for me. Another th- thing that really bothered me was if you look at the poster, mm-hmm. like the poster is Derek Mears in character. He's got the hood up, and he's got like these veins all over his face. And like it almost looks like his face is like crackling. Mm-hmm. Not at all what he looks like in the movie. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, he is wearing the black hoodie. That's pretty much where the similarities end. Yeah. Um, he looks pale. That's about it. Although, I mean, he he. It, a lot of the classic tropes about ghosts and spirits exist in this movie. Um, like. Uh, spirits, they can't cross a line of salt. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, they don't like to look at their own image in the mirror. Um, you know, they they, they sh- show up on infrared things things of that nature. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot different than than what you what you might know about ghosts from other movies and, and things of the sort um, anyway uh, point point is every time he looked into a mirror he would kind of dissipate and those little veiny things that were kind of like almost like glowing like kind of a goldish color um, those would kind of appear before he dissipated so I'm wondering if that's where that came from yeah, could be. But he definitely wasn't just walking around like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, this is one... I keep fucking picking these movies where it's... I can't talk a lot about the plot because it starts giving away the ending, you know? Or, you know, things leading up to the ending. So it leaves me having trouble finding out what to talk about. <laughs> um, One thing that you forgot to mention was you, you talked about how close this family is yeah they actually have brands yeah that they they brand into their arms mm-hmm um yeah you find out that they're actually done in like some kind of ceremony um because they the the, the wolfson family um actually is they're, they're descendants from true vikings um and these these ceremonies and these incantations and these brands all derive from old Norse, um, I guess mythology is not necessarily the right word, but lore basically. Um, yeah, yeah. I this don't is know. That one that didn't have a lot of gore in it. Yeah, uh, there was one part where. There was a body that was pretty beat up, and there was a there was a decapitation. There was. There was actually three of them in torment. Three decapitations. Yeah. Oh yeah, but they were like they're kind of off screen, I guess, weren't they? Yeah, they're like cutaways. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this one for being a, a horror movie that was fairly. Violent. It was very devoid of gore. 
Yeah. And wow. you would think a movie called Compound Fracture, like that sounds like it would have more. One, one would think. I mean, there was a shooting and a stabbing. And like I said, there was um, uh, a decapitation. There was a kind of a mauling, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So what did you like about it? Um, you know, I'm having a tough time with that. Nothing? You didn't like anything about it? It's not that I didn't like it, I guess. It's just I'm having a hard time. The movie didn't have a lot of substance, I don't think. There wasn't much to it. It was very simple. I mean, the plot was very thin. I mean, I don't know if this is the first time that Tyler made had written something. I, as far as I know, I mean that that shy that shows through very very prominently, um, which isn't a bad thing. Uh, I mean, for this being his first film that he that he wrote, it was very well done. I mean, I would would have expected this kind of work out of pretty much any first time writer, um, but as a movie. As a whole, I just I didn't really like it all that much. Um, it, like I said, the, the story was very thin. Um, there wasn't a lot of focus on the. Well, I guess that's not necessarily true. I was gonna say there's not a lot of focus on the characters and their backstory, but I guess that's what a lot of the movie is. But I don't know. I just felt like something was missing from this movie, and I can't identify what it was. I don't know. What do you think? Um, I will say that I liked Tyler Maine in it. Mm-hmm. Um, not that he did an amazing job. Yeah. But just considering, like, his past roles are Michael Myers and Sabretooth. Yeah. Like, he's known as this faceless monster. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's great to see him actually show some chops. Yeah. Yeah, and he, you're, you're right. It, I think the movie as a, on a whole was pretty well acted. Yeah. Uh, and it had a decent uh, cast, too. I mean, Tyler Maine, uh, like you said, obviously he's, he's got some chops, to, despite the fact that he has, in the past, had mostly non-speaking roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing can be said about Derek Mears. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, like, he was Jason Voorhees in the remake of Friday the 13th. That's probably what he's best known for. Mm-hmm. But he, most of his movies, he's a monster guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, he also played uh, one of the Predators in Predators. Right. Um, he, but he's awesome on Holliston. He is. He's funny as hell. Um, which is funny because he's such a creepy looking guy. But he's fucking hilarious on Holliston. So yeah. it's just, it's like really off. Not off-putting, but just it catches you off guard, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and then you know, Muse Watson, um, he's he's been around the block for a, a, a while. I mean, he's 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 an older guy, and he, like I said, he's been around a while. Um, the girl playing his fiance was actually is actually Tyler Mann's wife. Yeah, and she's also uh, the co-writer of the movie. Oh, is she? Yeah. And I believe she has a background in comics. 
I believe I read that earlier. In what regard? Writing them or something. Really? Yeah. Huh. Um, yeah, a little bit of nepotism there. I, I noticed that her acting credits are pretty much everything. Tyler Maine. Makes sense. <laughs> and it is it is main entertainment, by the way. It just feels like they missed the boat by not going with main entertainment. <laughs> um Yeah. Uh, but get, overall, I just feel like this movie kind of took bits and pieces of other movies and hodgepodge them into a new movie. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, it, it it led me in a, in, in a lot of different directions. Uh, it it kind of made me think it was going to be kind of a culty movie. Um, and then it kind of made me think it was going to be, um, you know, some kind of maybe like a religious themed movie. And then it was a ghost movie, and then it was kind of a slasher movie, and then it kind of kept bouncing around. It didn't really have a lot of focus on one theme. I mean, obviously there was a solid story. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, from you know beginning to end, it was a consistent story, but just the way it played out, it was very. It seemed very unfocused. I can see that. Um, but like I said, I, I think this was a pretty good uh, freshman experience for Tyler Maine. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think if uh, maybe he gets another one made, um, then it might be a little better. Um, but I don't know. I did think the direction was pretty good. Yeah, it was directed by A.J. Rickert Epstein. Yeah. Don't know who he is, but it was, it was done pretty well. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I guess I don't really have much else to say about this. Do you? Um. Shit, I feel like there was something I was going to say. Oh, there's a lot of like tropes. Like you talked about how that goes with a lot of the um, old ghost theories about you know salt and whatnot. Then you've also got these uh, occult symbols, and then you've got. Uh, there's a occult book at one point, mm-hmm. which, you know, there's always the occult book. It's like, oh, maybe there's a book on Thomas Heddle turkeys. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just felt like there was a lot of a lot of tropes. Yeah, I mean, they they, they worked. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it didn't feel like hamfest or anything, but yeah. I just. And I'm I'm looking at AJ uh, Rickard Epstein's filmography. I, I don't know any of these damn movies. <laughs> yeah. The Lost Skeleton Returns Again. Oh. He did that one. Well. As well as Revenge of the Bimbot Zombie Killers. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesus. All right, so want to wrap this up? Oh, sure. All right. Uh, what do you think on, uh, on, a, on a number? Uh... I think overall it was good. It wasn't great. I think that it, it I think it had some pacing problems. Definitely. Uh but like you said I think it's a, it's a good first effort. Um and I hope Tyler Maine 
makes more movies because mm. I, would, I would like to see him find a flow. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is a good start and he can, he could probably get to a point where he's making some solid movies. Um, overall, I think I would give it a f- five. Okay. Uh, again, yeah, I, I, I agree with you pretty much on all counts. Um, it was very good for a first try. Um, it's really had a hard time holding my interest and holding my attention. And it's not to say that it was really, um, I guess, it wasn't necessarily disjointed. I mean, it didn't feel, feel like I was getting lost and then just losing interest. It was just, it was just slow at parts and I felt like the story wasn't progressing and when it did it just wasn't enough I guess um, but like you I would really like to see what Tyler Main has in the future because um, I, I think he has the talent to be a creative writer um, and I hope that he uh, you know explores that Um so I think uh, again I'm probably gonna do the same as you. Well, like I said, differently on the last one, but uh, I'm gonna say five on this too. Well, that about does it. Um, this is gonna wrap up another fantastic edition. The twentieth. Oh shit! We didn't mention that at all. This is episode <laughs> twenty. Holy shit! God, uh, time just flies, doesn't it? do i mean we've been doing this since october yep uh of 2013 coming up on a year soon i mean we look at our calendar you know we only do the show every other every other week uh, and you know we try to plan out the movies we're going to watch as far far in advance as we can and just looking at the episodes i mean between now and our first anniversary we've got one two three four five six Seven more shows until our first first year. Yep, uh, that shit's just flying by. It's been a hell of a ride. Yeah, um, and you know, f- thank you guys for for you know listening. I mean, we we wouldn't be doing this without you. Well, we probably would anyway. But <laughs> um, it, we, but you're a bonus. Yeah, we, we know that people are listening. We don't know exactly how many because. I don't know how other podcasts do it, but it's really fucking hard to figure out how many people are it's, listening. It seems very convoluted. Every checker tracker we use gives us a different number. So, yeah. But if you're out there, thank you for listening. Um, give us some feedback. Uh, give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio or wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, check us out on our website, greatplotpodcast.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, is that it? I think that's it. All right. And uh, make sure you check out Jessica Cameron. Follow her on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all that happy bullshit. Yeah. Um, I think she... Yeah, she gave all her information. She, anyway, yeah, so. it's um, Anyway, so that's going to do it for us. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. This has been another edition of the Great Plot Podcast, where we're all just a little bit inside. Mm-hmm.